So RVD Tito for life reunited. Uh, of course, Doug here, Bill here. Um, finally got Bill after seven years. And uh, Stephen down here is going to host this thing and kind of make sure we get all the questions uh, asked and go over everything. And it's more like a reunion type thing. I mean, if you look at 2020, there's been so many um, live broadcasts uh, like uh, – you know, movie cast reuniting and going over stuff and all that. So, I mean, you, you, we got to do one with, with me and Bill uh, just to revisit the whole RVD Tito for Life thing and how it all started and answer fans' questions and, and definitely talk about AEW and the future of wrestling and all that good stuff. So, I'm thankful for everybody here. We already have 28 people in here, which is awesome. Um, so, you know, definitely like this video Subscribe if you haven't. If you have questions that you for sure want answered, uh, donate to the Super Chat, and we'll make sure that we get those questions answered. If we have time, we'll go back and answer some questions. So it's awesome to be here. And, uh, Bill, if you want to say anything, here's your chance. Yeah, no, um, it's a privilege to be back. I know that it's been about seven years. I don't know how excited I am to jump back in this uh, cesspool of negativity, but uh, you're welcome. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> uh, we will uh, certainly be happy to answer questions and it's cool to be able to go back down this road and talk a little bit about how we became fans and what got us started um, on the YouTube scene and what motivated us to do videos and the whole journey through TNA and what we're doing now, what we're watching now. Um, yeah. We still have a really good pulse on the business. So, get ready for that. Uh, <laughs> we, we completely understand kind of where things are and where things are headed. And some of, some of this kind of still feels like Oh six Doug, because uh, you know, edge is, you know, 47 years old and going to be in the main event of WrestleMania, but you know, maybe that's another conversation. Well, you know, it's funny is that I was looking at 2016 uh, past stuff and Bobby Lashley and Drew Galloway, Drew McIntyre, uh, we're wrestling at Slammiversary in the main event. And Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, WrestleMania weekend, were wrestling for ROH in the main event. Hmm. And now we'll have that in NXT at this WrestleMania's, at WrestleMania's uh, NXT main event. And we will have uh, probably Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. So a lot of things haven't changed. And that's a problem. You know, we have Shelton Benjamin still there. We have a lot of guys that... Um, you know, the youth movement never really has hit pro wrestling, especially in the WWE. And we definitely need to talk about that. Cool. Yeah. And, for, and just for anyone who's watching, I'm just as big a fan as anyone who's in the chat. Like, this is a huge honor for me. I watched these guys back in 06 when I was in high school, back throughout college. Like, I've known Doug for a little while now. I actually talked to him more than most people uh, at this point because we're into the same stuff. We collect the action figures and watch AEW and all that good stuff. And I uh, just got the privilege of meeting Bill before we got started. So uh, just so you all know, I'm basically here just being a fly on the wall. And I'm going to kind of – I got, like, questions uh, to, to talk about, some stuff to go through with Bill and Doug here. And I'm going to keep an eye on the chat. So like Doug was saying, if you have super chats, anything like that, any kind of donations – I'll make sure to address that stuff throughout the show. We'll make sure that you get your questions answered and all that good stuff. But uh, I'm just here kind of as a third man, uh, just kind of sitting back and kind of navigating this a little bit. But uh, thank you officially to both y'all for, you know, having me come on here today. 
<laughs> oh man, they're calling you Conrad today, so that's, that's I'll take it. Honor. That's an honor. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> so I guess we'll just start on how it all started. Um, uh, if you really want to go back, way back, um, I moved to Kansas when I was like eight, and um, Bill lived like a house away from me. And so we were always like um, hang out, play outside, all that stuff that kids don't do anymore. <clears throat> what we would do is, is um, you know, just hang out, play sports, shoot basketballs, football, whatever. And then in the day and at nighttime, we would like play video games and things like that. But once we figured out that we both liked wrestling, it was just like an automatic connection. We usually just totally fed off of each other. There wasn't too many disagreements. We always watched wrestling, um, and we kind of all liked the same stuff. And uh, we just grew up like diehard WWF, WCW fans. I mean, once the NWO took off, um, it was one of those things that were like, we, we, we definitely went more towards WCW at a point, and then when WCW was starting to die down, we started watching the WWF way more. And uh, it, like, my brother would actually order every WCW pay per view, like every single one. So we later Bill would be over at my house, and we would watch every single WCW pay per view live. And then, like, even Bill found out through satellite about ECW. And so, like, once he found out about ECW, like, we I would sometimes spend the night at his house just so we could watch like the late night ECW on Sunshine Network, right? So we've always been fans. I mean, I remember watching Royal Rumble 2000 at his house, WrestleMania, like all that stuff. Um, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, one thing to point out is you're a couple years older than I, I yeah. am. Um, so when we were doing the WCW pay-per-views, I was still kind of that innocent fan. I was, you know, like 12, 13, <laughs> and so... I was a fan of Sting and Goldberg. And I, even though like guys like Jericho were really good and would get me to laugh occasionally, I still like, I wanted him to lose so bad. It didn't matter. I was about all the baby faces and Doug was more about like Hollywood Hogan and the NWO. Um, so he was a couple years ahead of me in that regard. Um, if we go back even further, like Goldberg versus Hogan, like you were happy when Goldberg won. I was, oh, I was ecstatic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Same thing in uh, Starcade '97. Like you were talking yep. about Sting. Oh man! Was I think the whole Sting thing was so cool, though, just because it was like you know a completely different side of him. It was the Crow character, and it was just a different presentation. And he has so much charisma. Like he didn't have to say anything. It was just his actions, his movements. Everything was so intense, and it was just like you could feel that character and that emotion. Um, but yeah, of course, Starcade's another another deal. Yeah. yeah, there was a there was nothing cooler back then than when Sting would hand someone a baseball bat, then turn his back on him and like just be like, "Hit me if you're gonna hit me." Yeah, I, I, I love that. You didn't have to say a word, like a whole year of, no, of nothing, and then and then yeah, the Starcade '97 thing is a, is a whole nother. Well, and like other thing. don't understand about that era too. Like, I you know I, I'm. I'm definitely older. I don't understand this new generation and stuff, but like wrestling was like not just wrestling fans. Like the popular girls in high school wore Wolfpack t-shirts. Like the jocks wore NWO shirts and DX shirts. Like it was part of pop culture. Like people that didn't care about wrestling at all went to wrestling shows. 
If mm-hmm. WWE was in town, they went. Like it was that big. But what you did see is growing up in that era, you felt the decline. Like you felt all of a sudden people weren't watching as much and it wasn't the same. But yet, if you were a diehard wrestling fan, you still watched it. So um, it, it definitely was one of those things uh, that we always watched. And like, I remember we went to our first pay-per-view. Well, it was my first pay-per-view was Backlash with Hogan and Triple H. Like, when you go to something live like that and you feel that and you witness that, like, it changes you. You just, you can't, if you really love this, it, it it just stays inside of you and it motivates you to see more and more and more. And I think that that's definitely hurt during this time because, like, that connection with the fans, you really feel it. And it, it just makes you all of a sudden just want to start digging up tapes and looking up stuff and going to, to websites and watching matches because it, like, it like uh, feeds your soul and it, it, it rejuvenates you as a fan and, and you don't have that right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the first pay-per-view you ever went to live was Hogan winning the title from triple H. Yes. That's, yep. a, that's a hell of a, that's a hell of a first pay-per-view. That yeah. was Brock's first pay-per-view. And then it was also the last WWF pay-per-view, I believe, before yep. they switched to WWE. How fitting is that, right? That we went to the last <laughs> Yeah. Right. Seriously. Yeah, that is fitting. But, but so, uh, yeah. I was going to say, so, like, around that time, you know, fast forward just a couple years, because what you're talking about is post-invasion, um, obviously. So we're talking, what, like, 2003, something like that. Um, yeah. So fast forward a few years, um, TNA. You know, obviously that's what a lot of people want to hear y'all talk about. Um, like, why did y'all become these giant TNA fans. I mean, y'all were really the people when the, when YouTube really started, because for people who might not realize YouTube started in like 2005 and y'all were doing videos in like 2006. So y'all were on the homepage of YouTube, like getting recommended by the sports sections. I mean, a uh, massive blow up on, on the internet in a time when people didn't really do video blogging or anything really back then. Um, so like why TNA and like, how did this all like really get started for y'all? I think um, just from my perspective, if you go back just to the very, very beginning, like the the late 80s, um, the way I got introduced to wrestling, uh, my dad and uncle were extras in the movie No Holds Barred in the opening scene when Hogan comes out and they got like rip them shirts for being extras for the movie. And I'm like, you know, four years old uh, asking my dad, like what, you know, what's this shirt? And he told me about Hogan and that's how I got introduced to wrestling. But, you know, when you get bit by the wrestling bug, like Doug and I did, like we didn't miss anything. Like if it's four o'clock on a Saturday, I'm, you know, seven years old and, and I'm at the grocery store and I know WCW Saturday night's coming on at five. Like I am pulling my mom by the arm to get home so that I can catch WCW Saturday night. I didn't miss a Saturday night. I didn't miss a superstars. I didn't miss a mania. Um, you know, it's, I watched everything that I possibly could. We both did. And when we were first, you know, first got jobs and we're in high school, our entire check was DVDs. Like we would go to Hastings and we would scoop up every single wrestling DVD that we could. And we had hundreds and we would watch and study and watch and study and watch and study. And we had such a good pulse on the business at the time. And so that's kind of the introduction to 
you know, eventually once the invasion angle happened and there was no more WCW and there was no more ECW, um, we heard about the TNA weekly pay-per-views. And Doug, I believe we got one. Like, I don't know if we got the first yeah, one. We got one so we, no, we got like a random one. Like, we, we did. We got a random one for like 10 bucks because they yeah. were only 10 bucks. So we're like, why not? Right. Um, and, uh, but we weren't TNA fans yet. It took a couple of years. But we did, we did get Victory Road. We got the first yeah. 2004 paper. Yes. And we got Turning Point because Macho Man was on there. Um, run off the cage, and like you weren't seeing stuff like that in WWE at that point. Um, so like it, it was kind of like in the back of our mind, and we would randomly pick and choose what pay per views we wanted, but like it wasn't anything that like can't miss. I have to order every single TNA pay per view. Um, but the the transition was, and just real quick, like. So I ended up leaving Kansas in 2003. I moved with my parents to Texas. And then Bill ended up finding opportunities in Texas and came to live with us. So he left his uh, his house and everything in Kansas and moved in with us. And so he lived, uh, literally, like, he, he lived with us and he was right next door to me um, for my room. So if we needed to drop a video or whatever, that's how we did it so quick and stuff because we could just do it. And that's where the bunk beds comes in because that was the guest bedroom for my parents' house. So everyone that gave us crap about the bunk beds and all that stuff, like that's why. Um, Back then, like we didn't care like what the production looked like. We were just angry. (laughs) Most Most people didn't even have webcams back then. No. Yeah. And we didn't either. We had a little camera that we would like make sure we were in the right position and then like hit record and then sit down and then edit it later, right? So um long story short, um I was severely pissed off about the JBL thing, like just livid. I couldn't believe that the WWE title meant nothing anymore. And then I remember Taz shooting on Bite This about how they're changing the in-ring style and it sucks. And it's really like slow-paced and they don't want to be as physical and as aggressive. And I'm just like, and you could start to tell immediately, just like watching Raws and stuff. I was like, you know, this sucks. And then like the Eugene stuff was happening. And like, I just was like, I'm a diehard fan, but like this, this is bad. And I went from like being rarely ever let down by a pay-per-view. Like right. you would always see like a WrestleMania moment that there is classified as a mania moment today, but you would see that every month right. on pay-per-view. And so when it went from that to like, uh, like we like, just spent $50 on that. Like Bash 04 when JBL won the title, like it, it never ever recovered to the level that it used to be. And, like, that was the symbol of it all dying. Right? Like mediocrity is now acceptable. Right. And, and then um, fast forward to 06, you know, you've got Sting going to TNA. You've got Christian, Angle. And it was just like, bro, Kurt Angle, the best wrestler in the world, is in TNA? Like, what what is going on over there? And I then that was one of the big, like, signings in the history of wrestling because it just shook everybody to the core. Like like nobody expected that. So then when um, I literally was just watching the raw 
That was it. I was just watching the Raw. I had a YouTube page, and I remember I used I posted one Pride fight on there of a Rampage versus Yu Dong Sick from Pride, and because I found an early uh, Japanese version before it had actually aired on pay per view, and I downloaded it off Sheer Dog, and I posted it on there, and I got like a copyright claim or whatever, and I could care less. It didn't mean anything to me, right? So, anyways, I was just frustrated, and I saw, you know, when Maga was out there, like, dragging Tori Wilson or something, or Maria, whatever it was, and I was just fed up, and I had my Kurt Angle shirt on, right, because I'm a diehard Kurt Angle fan, and then I was just like, this stuff sucks, and, you know, I'm just totally shooting, right? I post it on YouTube, and then it's just like, I think Bill was at work or something. They came back and I was like, Bill, dude, like I posted this and like people are like commenting and people are watching this and it's just, it's crazy. And like, it never changed. Like the more we posted, the more people watched, the more they commented, then we, then we started getting pissed off because people were talking trash because we were talking about WWE, you know, we were trashing WWE and it was going and it dug deep into their soul because they knew we were right because we were WWE fans. And because we were such diehard WWE fans, it was like they had no argument. So they're literally just pissed off at us for telling the truth. And little by little, we would get more people to jump on board. And then it was just like, man, they're right. They're right. They're right. You know? And uh, I just remember, like, our responses to comments, right? We would we would pick out, like, the top five people that we wanted to destroy, and then we would have it, like, uh, <laughs> right out, and then we would go into the guest room and just destroy them, you know? That was where the go rid of porno and all that stuff, like. We, uh, we've, we've talked about that before, but, like, if y'all, if the YouTube technology was like it was now, then y'all could have had these live. You wouldn't have had to wait on these questions and print them out and write right. them down. Like you could have just had that live interaction. Now that would have made for really, really entertaining content, but also, who knows what would have been said and done live? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, well, and another thing that a lot, I had an MSN Messenger that All I right. opened, and I would let anybody come and comment. I would let anybody come and talk, and I would just destroy them. And then, and then, like, if I had this opportunity now, I would be like, call in the show. Just call in the show. Well, I'll send you a stream, a stream yard link, and you can come in, and you can tell me. And I, it would have been huge, but we never had that technology. So, um, man, 63 people are in here. That's awesome. Just hit that like button. I appreciate it. This is way more than what we normally get, so this is amazing. And I'm, I'm glad you guys are enjoying this. Um so, yeah, and, and honestly, Bill, I don't know if you remember, but, like, Oliver Scott was, like, first. Like, I, I never paid – he didn't inspire me to do videos, but that guy was doing videos, like, before we were. I totally um, forgot about that name. Right. Until you just mentioned it. I'm like, yeah, flashback, you know. Yeah, I, I do remember. And then who was, who was the kid that I told that he loved hot dogs more than, like – Oh, us. Like, oh, uh, I can't remember now. Oh. But oh my god, he was a fan. He yeah. started off as a fan, and yeah. then that's the problem. What happened with MSN Messenger? And this is how Kent Jones and stuff got our stuff. Is I was willing to talk with anybody, 
and they sent me a link that hacked my crack. <laughs> you got fished. Before fishing was a thing. <laughs> When's the last time you thought about the name Kent Jones, Bill? Uh, <laughs> the last video we did on him 15 years ago. <laughs> I want to ask you: Did we? Did we? Did like? Did we kill off Kent Jones' YouTube era? Because like the guy kind of vanished. Like he never recovered from that. I, I have not seen or heard of anything since. No, I have no. I didn't know who he was. The last, the last time I heard from uh, heard about Ken Jones is I heard that like if we ever showed up to a TNA event, he was going to stab us with a knife, and I've never seen the guy. That's so. reassuring. Yeah, <laughs> um, and we didn't care back then either. Like now, I'd be like, "What you did? What?" Training <laughs> order, you know, like <laughs> literal, literally home address. That was not a fake address that he gave out. He gave out his home address, and and that is in front of like the world. And we had multiple views on that video. People in the chat are saying Neon Spec from the UK. That could be. Neon Spec. Neon. I don't remember that name. I just don't remember who he that is. Him. It was him. It was. It, but anyway, speaking of Oliver Scott, it was him. It was Oliver Scott. And it was Kent Jones. And they played this prank to hack our account. And, like, do you remember the way I, I had to, like, take a picture of Bill holding the paper that says this is the official RBT for life page. Like we got our page back because oh, so of the hack. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was uh, oh, it was boy. Wild Dude, listen to this comment that just came through. This is from DK Menace 1990. He says, yeah. according to MB wrestler, who we all remember from back in the day, who's actually wrestling now out in California. Yeah. Um, MB wrestler. It says, according to MB wrestler, he met Kent Jones at one of the at Bound for Glory in 2009, and TNA kicked him out when he threw a cup at Bobby Lashley. I mean, that sounds like him. Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel bad because, like, you know, I think just a lot of fans didn't understand our perspective, and yeah. back then it was just kind of like the early on commenting, like they thought if they said, you know, voice their opinion that that. Uh, you know, we would agree with them or backtrack and, and that's cool. just not what happened. But now like I feel kind of bad because it's like we really kind of went after some folks and it would have probably been a lot more cordial had we had something like this. Uh, yeah, for sure. Another thing too is like he was down for like the, a real revolution. Like he wanted to tour. He wanted to go after every WWE event. He wanted to like, like when he, when he messaged me about, cause he was so, fired up about what they did at the revolution press conference, him and Chris. Yeah. Which got coached to break. And then they stopped having those press conferences, by the way. And, and then they also got rid of bite this because multiple TNA fans were calling in the show and Todd Grimes like could not handle it whatsoever. So it was just like, and then not only that, that's when it really started to get Bill Banks's attention because he was happy with us getting all this like, uh, attention but he never really like reached out but when we did that when they did that revolution uh crash press conference that's when he reached out to us so that caught tna's attention and then that's when they brought up the idea of doing tna addicts well i was gonna ask you about that so we might as well talk about that now like that was the audio version of y'all's youtube channel kind of so for like for those of you who don't know what tna addicts was um, y'all were actually working at the time, like for or with TNA, I should say, and you were doing basically a short radio show 
but kind of in the way in which TNA wanted it done, right? Like they were having you push storylines and not really break kayfabe and those kind of things, right? And it was pretty short-lived. Yeah, I mean, it was, they had like that contest for two fans to be able to um, do the radio show, show for them. And we had talked with um, Bill Banks before and I just messaged him and just said, hey, you know, would this be something that we could get entered into? Um, and it was an immediate response back, like, no, you don't have to enter into it. We're going to pick you guys. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when I was like, what? Like, you're going to what? And I immediately got on the phone with Doug. I'm like, dude, like, this is huge. Like, we have the opportunity to do something really big here. And, We're in business. <laughs> and yeah. honestly, they didn't, like, y'all didn't see the first video we put out. Because it was so like we were such shills, like we were plugging everything, we were selling everything, like completely over the top salesman. And Bill Banks was like, "We can't publish that." Yeah. <laughs> He's oh, like, wow. "We want you guys to still be yourselves, but um, just you know, you can't like plug Ring of Honor on the show or bury people." But they did still want us to be us and give us their valid opinions and or give us valid you know opinions on stuff. Just you know, we can't bury anything but uh, again they did give us pretty free reign to do stuff and and uh it was it was a fun time it obviously you remember, didn't like, you remember though like making it and thinking like oh that's definitely good like that's definitely mm-hmm. more the bill and doug type stuff and then he would message us back and be like yeah guys we're not doing that like that's yeah. that's not good enough we can't Okay. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely we I think we got frustrated with the actual direction of the product, and so obviously that doesn't align when you're trying to do a, a show for them. You know, we called Scott Steiner a bottom of the barrel main eventer on that. On that show. <laughs> yeah, they published it. Um, and I was like, I don't know, Bill. Maybe the Motor City Machine Guns, Motor City Machine Guns, can win a match, and yeah. things like stuff like that. They were yeah, not. We were just, uh, you know, we didn't. We didn't listen very well, uh, but I mean, that, other than having like you know Bill Banks there to support us, um, and he was he was awesome. Um, we didn't really we didn't interact with very many people in the organization, or anything. we didn't like fly to Nashville or anything like that. Well, the thing is, is if we if we had the audio set up because they were going to send us equipment and all sorts of stuff, but like we didn't know how everything worked. Like we were going to be able to interview wrestlers and the whole nine. Like they were going to really try to make it work. And they literally sent us every single audio file that they had, like mm-hmm. like every single theme music, everything. Yeah, it was cool. Um, so that part was cool. It was, uh, and and everyone was like, "You guys get paid by TNA." Da, da, da. We got shirts like once, like they gave us like a bulk order, like three 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 shirts for each person, you know. And then tickets, they all they gave us comp tickets to two shows, and they're terrible tickets. We ended up just buying our own tickets because these comp tickets were so bad. Yeah, so, for lockdown, like we were like furious, you know, mid mid arena, like you know, yeah. second second level, and we were like, like this is not, tickets. you know, like this is not what we we want. And so right. for Victory Road, we bought second row. Yep. Um, and so that was, I was like, we're not, we're not doing that. And victory road was amazing. So well, what's funny too, is like with lockdown, like I was getting married around that time and I was like, well, I got to decide if I want to go to UFC because UFC 69 was in Houston and then lockdown was, uh, shortly after or before it was actually maybe before, I don't know, but it would, they were right around the same time. And I told Bill Banks, I have to decide which, which show I want to go to. And uh, he's like, well, we'll get you tickets to, to lockdown. I was like, oh, okay, awesome. Well, we're going to go then. 
So we ended up flying down there for that one. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, we saw some, some cool stuff and all, I really, really regret deleting everything. And cause it, cause like I said, when Bill gave me that phone call, it's like, Oh, we've made the business. Like we're, we're, we're in, I'm going to delete everything and we're, we're just going to do this now. And it just, it sucks. Well, I've told you before, Doug, like, you know, like private conversations that like, I would have done the same thing if I was y'all, like I would have had the same exact feelings about it. It's like, what's the point of, because at the time YouTube wasn't like super monetizable either. People might not realize that either. Like y'all were pretty much just yeah. doing it for the love of the game back, back then, okay. you know? So when a company is interested in actually working with you, it's like, Oh yeah, I can drop this YouTube thing. I'm going to go do this with them. And you but I was going to ask you about that. Was that a decision like TNA told y'all, Hey, you can't have this out there. Or was it a decision that y'all made? Oh, uh, it's more of a decision we made just because we didn't want them to be able to pull stuff from previous and then like get our show canceled or something because we said something or it was just more like just starting clean slate, want to be more professional. Um, and, and yeah, so that's what we did. But, you know, looking back on it, it definitely wasn't the yeah. best decision. More professional. And that was before Vendetta, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, that's still out there, but it's somebody else has it uploaded. It's yeah. kind of wild. Yeah. This guy's a piece of garbage. Yeah. Um, he literally just sits on it, too. He hasn't logged into his account. He hasn't used it. His account's been idle for like eight years. But um, yeah. yeah, don't like that video. And that, that's part of the growth, too, right? Like, you know, at that, at that time, and this is the thing, too, is like in 2006, I started dating my wife. So, like, YouTube and like me starting my life as an adult and growing up through that process all happened at the same time. Um, you know, like I started dating my wife and then like within a year and a half or so I was out of my parents' house and I was married and um, we're going through all that other stuff. So uh, it, it was just a big growing experience. And then like Bill also, right? Like he, he had left his family. He left, Kansas, he he's on his own in Texas with us. So, um, and then he met his wife shortly after. So, it, it's it's all kind of been aligned. And what's funny is, is like I got married in June and Bill got married in August. Like we've all kind of had like he's had a kid and then I'll have a kid, or like we're all kind of like right there uh, on the same symmetry of things. So, um, it's it's funny how life life plays out. So like, so all that's happening and, you know, obviously what they call the YWC, the YouTube wrestling community. This is back in the day where you could, you could do video replies to people. You had kind of like rival YouTubers, uh, people with varying differing opinions and all this stuff. Um, kind of what was that like to have not necessarily people that like refuting with y'all, but just like kind of because it really felt like the YWC was built around y'all. You were the most successful as far as like the numbers. There was a lot of people that were replying to the stuff you were doing, and in turn, they were getting views on their videos. Kind of what was that all like with like other YouTubers? I mean, there were some some folks that were really you know supportive and and you know folks that we would interact with that did videos on a regular basis. Um, people that would defend us, right, defend our videos or do responses to our videos. And so it was cool to have that that level of attention and and to know that we were making a difference, right? You know, people were like, hey, you know, after watching this 
video from Bill and Doug, I'm going to give TNA an opportunity um, or I'm going to order their pay-per-view or I'm going to look at, you know, other wrestling promotions besides the WWE or I get what you're saying. So um, it was cool to be able to reach people. Um, I don't think we understood the level at which we were reaching people and the success that we had. I don't think we necessarily appreciated it. Um, and so it's just one of those things where like, it didn't bother us if we didn't do a video for a month. Right. Uh, yeah. When yeah, I, we worried about algorithms, we weren't worried about like constant content. It was just like, okay, TNA has got a pay-per-view coming up. Let's talk about it. Let's plug it. Um, oh, this guy wants to talk crap. Okay, fine. Let's get on the, the video and bury him. Like stuff like that. Uh, you know, <laughs> I loved so much when, like, we were proven right to such a high level. Like, when Kevin Federline beat John Cena, <laughs> when Great Khali won the title. Like, you want to talk about just enraged people, like, wanting to kill us because we are right. And they're so frustrated and they hate the product so much. And then you have these two guys that are just like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we were. <laughs> oh, Bill, arrogant, you know. Bill, uh, Bill, something that you mentioned to me was that you wish that you maybe would have uh, spent a little more time, like talking about wrestling versus like going after people. Is right, that you know? And, and as fans, it's like we we have and had a lot of knowledge on the business at the time and understood what was going on. So if we could have just put our perspectives out there more and not focus so much on one individual person that made a comment. Um, the responses to comments videos were fun, you know, in retrospect, but I feel like we had and still have a lot of knowledge that we can share from our experience as fans watching the business. So um, it's just one of those things I do. I do wish we would have spent more time focusing on, our perspectives as fans and putting out more content on a regular basis and not, not been as um, confrontational at times, you know, we're like calling everybody sheep um, <laughs> and uh, you know, just going after everybody because they didn't agree with us when in, the reality is those same people were watching every time we put out a video. So we didn't have to focus on them. We could well, just focus on bringing in new viewers. Well, let's be honest. We're diehard wrestling fans, right? This is the first time that we get a chance to cut promos. Exactly. This is the first time that we get a camera and we get to do uh, shoot angles and whatever else. Like it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a way for us to be in character, in gimmick, whatever. Like, I put my hat on and let's go to war. Like, uh, that's the way that it felt sometimes. So, um, and and there would be, like, just rants that would just happen and Bill would see it and just let me go. Like, he'd be like, okay, he's he's in the zone. I would get excited when it was bad because I'm like, oh, Doug's going to go crazy. Yeah, it was great because y'all could, like, finish each other's sentences, too. Like, you knew where y'all were heading with it. So, like, it always made for a good video going back and forth like that, like, side to side between the two of y'all. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, it 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 was a crazy time. And honestly, like, I think... Probably our biggest adversary was was True Slayer. Like he was he was the enemy of us, I guess. And he wasn't really a big enemy. Like once we actually met Josh at WrestleMania 25, like oh he's a good guy. He was cool, no problems. Everybody was excited to meet each other. Everybody was excited to be around each other. 
Um, it, it really felt a lot like it was just like our wrestling gimmick, right? Like, and the thing with Josh though is like he had a leg above us because one, he's like ten years older than than we are, and he knows all wrestling, right? So he he knows NWA and ROH and all that stuff, and like we were not into that. So that is why he came out with his channel to really plug ROH, talk about how wrong we were. Total Meltzer guy, right? Like we never even I never even knew who Dave Meltzer was. Like I, I could care less who Dave Meltzer was. It didn't mean anything to me. Um I just I, I cared about the WWF and TNA. Like that's it. WWE TNA. Like that's all I watched. Um and then we we found out later on, especially when we went to our first ROH show, like, oh, we we might eat it here. Like this this was one of the best shows I have ever been to, <laughs> and like incredible. Like when I saw Kenta and Davey, and and then like the next night we went and it was like Kenta and Austin Aries uh, or Kenta and uh, Tyler Black versus Austin Aries and Nakajima, like mind blown, right? Um, so, so then it was kind of like, okay, let's start looking into ROH. Let's, you know, and Bill, I think gravitated more towards ROH at first, just because Bill liked the seriousness of ROH. And I was a little bit off because I want pay-per-view. I want video packages. I want, you know, the, the big glam of it. Right. And, and ROH wasn't that, but I could appreciate that they had great wrestling, but I felt like it came across way better live than on DVD. Um, And then, and then that's why like, I always disagree with your Slayer because it was just like plug in another DVD. Cool. You know, no storyline, no, no big promos, no video packages, barely a, a a ROH little video wire that they used to come out with. Like, yeah, it was nothing that got me super excited, but you know, you look back on some of that stuff and it was incredible. And it was also like their storylines would develop over, you know, they would develop from show to show, from live event to live event. And so you watch one DVD, you don't necessarily appreciate what they were doing. You had to watch the previous three and the next two, right? So to really get a feel for what their storylines were. And that was always a challenge, you know, back then for us. For sure. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Doug. No, no, I was, I was, I was going to say that was back back then, like you were saying, it was a lot of DVDs. They didn't even really have like I remember Ring of Honor I pay per view maybe started in like two thousand seven or eight or something like that. Like you couldn't even watch it live on the internet until yeah, it was like when Cornette came on board because they did the Big Bang with Go Fight Live, and then they did a show in Canada over the summer. I think it was Death Before Dishonor, and that was Davey and Tyler Black. Yes. And that was like the return of Christopher Daniels to Ring of Honor. And the reason I remember all of that is because the the next show, Glory by Honor in New York, is the one that I flew to New York for um, and went to the, you know, uh, Grand Ballroom for. And that was incredible. What was the main event of that one, Bill? That was Roderick Strong and Tyler Black, I believe. It was Tyler Black's or Seth Rollins' last Ring of Honor show. Yep, that's, that's right. He dropped the title. Um, that was also the Kings of Wrestling, which uh, Chris Hero and Claudio uh, took on the world's greatest tag team, Shelton and Charlie. And that match, the energy was just insane. Right. But that was like, you know, it was that same live event feel that I got 
in 09 when we saw like Kenta and Davey, which was just incredible. Yep. Still one of my favorite matches ever live. So did that kind of like, I guess the timing kind of uh, like paralleled, right? Where like Ring of Honor is killing it and you're getting more and more interested in, in those shows and TNA is starting to decline kind of at around the same time. So like when did you start kind of seeing the writing on the wall for the downfall of TNA? Bischoff and Hogan, Mafia, probably. Main event Mafia, 09. Yeah. Maybe. And then there would be, they would be hit and miss, right? Like, but, but like, man, when Hogan came in. They like, brought like Orlando Jordan and the uh, Nasty Boys, and I was yeah, like, oh. Yeah, Cal Venus. That's going to be awful. Don't work this position to where I have to defend us. Like, I, that, that can't happen. I can't do this. You know what I mean? Um, and then didn't we, we came out with a video saying like TNA time to wave the white flag or something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that, um, that was the video that was like declaration that we were kind of done with TNA. Like we're not going to just blindly plug them. (laughs) Immortal. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was God awful. And like, Back in 06, 07, like you still had like Jeff Jarrett in the main event, but you had such a strong X division and other things happening. It was easy to overlook the main event most of the time, whether it was Macho or Jeff Jarrett or Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. It didn't matter to us because it was like, you know, they had the X division and they had, you know, tremendous athletes that are doing things that we've never seen before. And they had a meaningful tag division and all those things. So, it was easy to overlook that, but then eventually it just, you know, the, it kind of shifted to where it was more bad booking, less focus on the X division, you know, less focus on the athletes. You could tell the athletes weren't as like the, the passion was gone, you know, like people weren't as excited to perform for TNA anymore. No, And then another thing that they did too, is they got rid of the X division and replaced it with the knockouts division. And I just totally disagreed with that. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll plug it all day and say that it was the best ratings they had and all that stuff. But, like, just as a wrestling fan, those girls, a lot of them weren't ready to be in the spot that they were in. Um, yes, it was revolutionary at the time, I guess you would say. And they had some okay talent. But we were not at the Sasha Banks, Bailey, all that. Yeah. It was awesome calling Gail Kim. Yeah, like, but that, that was like one match in the whole year that was worthy of their spot, and you would have right. so much like beautiful people stuff and all this other ODB, and I mean it was it just got bad. And I think what people need to understand too, what made TNA so exciting to us was like we didn't pay attention to ROH. So when we saw AJ Styles and Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels and Chris Saban and Loki and like you can name it, it was the first time that we had ever seen these guys. And so it, it blew us away. And then you're also watching matches with blood and no limitations and, and really going for it. And you're just like, this feels like a pay-per-view when you see someone, you know, do the hurricane run off the cage and all that stuff. Like those were pay-per-view moments. And there were so, so much great talent there um, that, that was new and fresh. And then 
you already found all these new guys you like, and then you're like, they're going to get to wrestle Kurt Angle. And Sting's coming in, and Christian. And it's just like, this is amazing. Like, TNA is awesome. Um, what I didn't understand, and this is another thing, too, is like, I would totally forego storylines and bad booking and all that for great matches. So people would kill us for liking something because we thought the match was good because they hated the storyline of it. But we were just looking at it from a match perspective. And then what happened was, is when TNA stopped having like great matches and the booking was bad, it was becoming pretty noticeable that this is, this is a problem. Yep. Yeah. So I guess kind of like what do you mainly attribute that to, them bringing Hogan and Bischoff in and kind of like Dixie Carter being somewhat naive to like running a wrestling company and kind of like putting her eggs in that kind of basket. Yeah. Cause, Cause everyone always says Dixie was so nice and I know y'all have met her, but maybe not the best person to run a wrestling company. Right. Yeah. I think it was just, you know, and I obviously, I obviously wasn't there, but from all the other perspectives, it was like everybody could, you know, would get in Dixie's ear and tell her that, you know, what would work and what wouldn't, and you had Vince Russo booking the show, which is the absolute worst possible thing you could do yeah. um, in any situation. Um, so eh, I hate that man. <laughs> but uh, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was a combination of the two. And then it's like when you've got a guy that's like killing himself for you, like AJ Styles, and you can't make him happy. Yep. You know, he's the franchise player. You got Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels and, you know, Sanjay and Jay Lethal, you've got all this talent and you're just, you're burying them, you know, you know, AJ Styles is, you know, acting like Ric Flair out there with the four horsemen fortune. Um, And it was just like, that's. And and then you go to like aces and eights. Like it it just got so bad. Like Bully Ray was good. He was good. He made himself a main eventer, giving props. The whole aces and eights thing was awesome. It was amazing. Awesome. And so, like, the, the real turning point for TNA, TNA died when AJ Styles left. When AJ Styles left, we knew TNA was dead. Like, that, that was Sting leaving WCW. Like, it was officially over when AJ Styles left. And I don't think Dixie had any clue uh, to, to what it actually meant to have AJ walk out that door. Um, we were excited though, because it was like, oh my God, now AJ can go to ROH because we were big into ROH at that right. point. Like, right. know, and and we thought that he would possibly end up in WWE, but we weren't sure. Yeah. Because well, New Japan was, you know, getting hot at that time as well. Right. What were your what were your thoughts, Bill, on seeing AJ Styles in the WWE? <laughs> oh I was excited as hell. And yeah. that was pre-brand extension, by the way. So you know, when he showed up at the Rumble with that kind of reaction, it was, you know, I was reacting the same way. I was jumping up and down because it's like you're so happy for AJ. You know, he busted his ass, broke his body, and, you know, for TNA and New Japan and proved that he could still go at a high level. And, you know, WWE had the foresight to say, hey, look, you know, now if guys are successful on the independents and other organizations, we want them. That was, you know, they had that kind of shift in opinion when NXT started to get hot and the fact that he was still going to the main roster and, you know, his matches with Roman and everything when he first came in was just, was awesome. You know, too. like I'll ask every, I'll ask both of you guys this, like what do you think TNA's legacy is? Because 
what you'll find out is like guys like Will Ospreay, guys like Ethan Page, like they started to want to become a wrestler because of TNA. It wasn't about WCW or WWE. And guys like AJ Styles influenced the whole generation. And I think TNA definitely had a lot of great moments, a lot of great matches. It was, to me, it was the first time we had seen a merger with mainstream and indie. I, I think that that's what they're really going to be remembered as, is the the glue that put the, the indie wrestler, the guy that wasn't necessarily six foot four and, and was able to put him in the main event and it be believable. Granted, terrible storylines, terrible booking, bad business decisions, the whole nine. But like when you sum it up, you know, it was it gave guys that were never gonna get a real chance at main events and it put them on the pedestal with mixed with mainstream main eventers. Yep. Any uh, additional thoughts on that, Bill, before I go? No, I mean, it's and it's funny to where you see it now, you know, and where the wrestling business is at this point, because what we were saying back in 2006 is like, all you need to do is put these athletes on mainstream TV and let them wrestle their style. And that's what you see now in NXT. That's what you see in AEW. Um, you get it, get flashes of it in the WWE. Um on the main rosters, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's where we're at now. And I think that it's funny because I think fans crave storylines more now, and they kind of have a crave for the old school storyline mixed with that hybrid of athletic, strong style, you know, new Japan style wrestling. Um, So I think there's a mix. I do think there is a need for more, like traditional wrestling characters because the fans want to be fooled like guys like MJF and, you know, the broken Matt Hardy in TNA, like those guys never broke character and the fans freaking love them, you know? So it's like, I think the fans crave more of that. Um, I think they crave more of, like I said, meaningful storylines and to go along with the, the athletic competitive wrestling that we see today. Yeah, I couldn't agree more because there's still something to like the larger than life characters. Like if you can mix those in, me and Doug talked about it last week, but I went back and rewatched Hogan versus Warrior at WrestleMania six, like two weeks ago. And they do like, it's the most basic wrestling match in history, but it didn't matter because they were just so insanely over as far as like impact for like a legacy. I'm with you. I'm with both you guys. I mean, like when AJ left to me, that was the big, that was like the big, you got to be kidding me moment. Like I, I had stuck through like Abyssomania and all these stupid stories and like, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so, you know, for AJ to leave, that was like the really big, you know, what's going on here moment for me. And I kind of, it's, it's kind of like you were saying, Doug, I mean, both y'all really were like, it's one of those things where you guys were right in a lot of ways with what you were saying 10, 15 years ago. Cause if, if Impact Wrestling was run by somebody like Tony Khan, we could be talking about Impact Wrestling completely differently right now. If there mm-hmm. was like, th- it, because, in, and this is the thing that we talk about, and I want your opinions on this too. Like, with, like, there's there are things about about AEW that can be frustrating. I mean, we saw the explosion thing on pay per view, and there's there's 
things that are red flags about AEW. But this is what we were asking for. Like we've been asking for a smart Mark wrestling fan who isn't, you know, in his seventies, who wants, who's like a lifelong fan. Like this is what we've been asking for. And I think they've, they've knocked it out of the park, like 85, 90% of the time. So I, that's, so I guess kind of my feelings of the legacy of impact is impact did a lot of the right things. They had an amazing roster. I just think it was mismanaged, but now we're kind of getting what we were asking for then with AEW. Yeah, and I know there's there was a super chat on that. Um, somebody had asked about, um, you know, I think it was Sean Byrne said, uh, curious to hear your thoughts on AEW starting from when they were announced to where they are now. Um, I remember hearing rumblings because we, we all knew that everybody was on one-year contracts, right? And so or the contracts were coming up. So we knew like the Bucks were going to become free agents. We knew Cody was going to become a free agent. So, uh, and we knew Kenny was going to become a free agent. So we're like, what's going to happen here? Are all these guys going to go to WWE? And that kind of felt like the scenario that was going to happen. They were going to get huge money like everybody else and go. Well, and don't forget about All In too. Yeah. Yeah. And then all in happened and we're like, you know, holy crap. Like they just did something that's never been done before. They sold out, you know, Sears center, I believe in Chicago. It sold out that quick. It was just like, yeah, I was just oh, like, Oh my God. Like these 10 guys minutes, right? are not indie wow. darlings, you know, like everybody wants to see these guys. Um, and so then after that show was such a huge success, we started hearing rumblings of, you know, Jericho and Jim Ross starting a wrestling company. And uh, it still was kind of very quiet, very hush. But I told Doug, I'm like, what if the Bucks and Omega and Cody start their own wrestling promotion? And he's like, I don't know. You know, I don't know if that'll happen or not. Because, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things you can do it one time. Right. Anybody can run one show, but the expense of running, you know, shows every week or whatever they were going to do is like we need they need a backer. They need somebody that is going to be able to support that kind of expense. Um, But if they can get an opportunity to show what they can do, then they're going to be a huge smash success. Um, And then AEW formed. And as soon as AEW formed, I got this shirt um, and we had talked about what they were going to do for their first show because we wanted to be a part of it. And it was announced it was going to be in Vegas. And so Doug, our buddy Chris and I all kind of talked about it and we're like, yeah, I mean, we would like to go, but it's just not feasible. Like we can't leave our families and fly ourselves to Vegas for a weekend and pay, you know, pay for the pay-per-view. And we got 97 people in here right now. So that's Um, let's get to a hundred y'all. That'd be great. Uh, but yeah, if you guys are enjoying this, hit that like button. I really appreciate it. Share this thing out right now. This is, this is awesome. Thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. All right. Can, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go through all the super chats y'all, by the way, any super chat that gets sent in, we'll address every single one before we get out of here. Just so y'all know. <laughs> yeah. And, and so we didn't think it was a possibility that we would ever go to double or nothing, but as soon as they had that press conference where, the Lucha Bros showed up, you know, attacked the Bucks, and then the Jericho Omega stuff, and it was just like there was so much hype and energy. 
We're like, we got to do this. Like, I don't care what it takes. We have to do this. And so we ended up going to the first, you know, AEW pay-per-view. Um, we ended up going to double or nothing. And uh, it's still my, it's my favorite wrestling show of all time, for sure. It's just the energy, you know, it was so special, surreal. It was a celebration amongst wrestling fans from all over the world. I mean, it was cool. And it was everything from the, you know, the meet and greets to the, the shows that they had there at the convention center. Um, and then, you know, to the, to the show itself, it was just an all around incredible experience and I cannot wait to do it again. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah like the star cast too. Like, I mean, it was such a celebration of wrestling. It felt big, you know, you're going into, um, different Vegas casinos and stuff and, and you're going here all because of AEW, right? Like it just, there was just such a buzz in the air. And it was Memorial Day weekend, right? So everybody's there just to party and stuff. But, like, it, there was just such an atmosphere. And, you know, Vegas, I've never been to Vegas, so it was my first experience there. And, like, um, you know, you're walking to the MGM Grand. And you're walking and you see AEW, like, in the lights. You know, you go into the MGM Grand and they have a big giant poster of Double or Nothing. And it's just, like, Oh my God, we're here, you know? Um, and, and I remember on the card, you know, Jericho Omega too, like, okay, that's pretty cool. The first match was awesome. So we're excited about that. Um, and then Bucks and Lucha Bros, like, absolutely. And then, uh, <laughs> I, I told Bill, like, a couple of weeks before they announced, I'm like, dude, it's going to be Dustin. It's going to be Dustin and Cody. And Bill was just like, no, I don't want that. Like, that's going to be bad. And I was like, you're going to waste the first AEW pay-per-view match for Cody on Dustin? Like, I was pissed. Yeah. Like, the story is going to be there. It's going to be emotional. This thing is going to be good. You and know? It was my favorite match on the show. So I was about to ask how you liked it. It was, it was my favorite match on the show. Um, just Cody's entrance just made me go ballistic. Um, it was so cool because it was everything that we we felt, too, you know? Everything that everybody felt like, oh, we're coming for you. Energy, right? Like, yeah. the whole reason this company exists is because of WWE's failures. Like, there's no question about that. That is why this company is here. Um, and so, you know, when he decides to go smash the throne with a sledgehammer, it's just you're, you're, you have all these rabid fans that are pissed off about WWE and the direction they've been going and stuff. And, and, and then you have like a guy that emerges as a leader and just is like, it's over. We're here. You know, we're here to say wrestling is what it felt like. No, it, was awesome. and, uh, it was just, it was just an awesome moment. It was an awesome moment. And then the match was incredible. I've never been around anything like that to where you could feel the people's, like you can feel the emotion. Like you see people crying, you, you, you feel the electricity. Like it was, uh, it was amazing. And then dude, like to have Moxley come out at the end, it was everything that every fan there wanted, but didn't know they were going to get. And when they got it, it just, it blew the roof off the place and you leave there. Like I remember just being stuffed like sardines in the hallway trying to get out and just the buzz. Everybody was like on cloud nine. What did they just saw? You know what I mean? And it was like, 
it was just like AEW has arrived and you felt it. And my adrenaline was going for like, you know, just like yours two or three hours after the show was over. I mean, I'm just like, I'm still like pumped up because it's just so exciting to know, like we have an alternative and it's not, it's not, you know, it's not TNA. It's not ring of honor. It is an alternative. Someone that has more money than, than Vince even does. So it was like, we're going to get this on a regular basis. Are you serious? Finally, we're going to get someone that, that understands what we want, that has a pulse on the business that wants to make the fans happy. They're going to, they're going to do what we want. Fantastic. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like Tony Khan, he's our age. You know what I mean? And like he, he is very relatable and he has the financial backing and the business side of things. Like even Dixie, you know, she had her dad's money, but she didn't understand the business side of things like Tony Khan does because Tony's involved in sports. So the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Fulham soccer team, all that stuff, like you can't replace that type of experience and the connections. Like if Tony Khan wants to just call TNT, like, hey, I need to meet, like they're going to give it to him. Like this isn't just a shot in the dark and hope everything goes okay. And then he can sign anybody he wants. And, And that is just like crazy that they literally can just start picking apart whoever they want, whoever gets free, they can take. Um, and so it just, it, it opens up the game. And I, I think the biggest mistake people are looking at is, is ratings. Like, first of all, in my opinion, and from what I've heard, like DVR numbers are usually the same as what the actual rating is. Right. So you're basically doubling that is what actual people are watching. And so, and, and that feels way more when you go to a live event and you see the people that have bought the tickets, that the merch line is through the door, like they generate wherever they go. And I think that was my biggest concern is how is a YouTube buzz elite going to sell out um, stadiums and going to get people to go to these shows live consistently at big numbers and – I think Jericho helped that huge. And I think that uh, I I do think that they found a way because at the end of the day, YouTube is underestimated when it comes to popularity. People watch YouTube more than they watch regular cable television nowadays. So when these guys were huge on BTE, I mean, I remember when we went to Supercard of Honor for WrestleMania 34, I guess it was. No, oh, yeah. And we went to Supercard of Honor and we were waiting in line. And like the, the guy was just like, these guys got me back into wrestling. Like I wasn't watching wrestling until I started watching these guys again. And I'm just like, dude, they're on YouTube and they're Ring of Honor and they're getting this type of buzz. And then, like, I was telling Stephen, like, you would go to the lines and like all the ROH talent would have like no lines, but then like Kenny and Cody. And and uh, the Bucks, Adam Page, Marty, yeah, I said it, Marty. They had huge lines of people that were were waiting to meet them, and you could tell that like this is different. This isn't just guys that are popular every now and like this. They could they could do this on their own. Mm-hmm. I know you've told me 
Doug, that this happens and I want to get Bill's uh, kind of reaction to this. What's it like when y'all are at these shows and fans recognize you? Like, even if it's like current, like, does that, does that still happen to you, Doug? And Bill, how often do you go to shows to, or like the last time that's happened uh, with y'all being together? I think the last time that happened was, I don't know if anybody recognizes the dynamite or not, but I know at double or nothing, we had a few people come up to us. Um, and it is weird, um, to know that those people still remember what we did even 10 years ago. Um, and, uh, that's, it's, it's cool. It's, it's very humbling and, um, exciting to know that what we did made a difference and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's cool. I mean, even when I was at Fitterman, I got recognized that that was the, the last meet and greet for Royal Rumble, uh, 2020 or whatever. So it happens. Um, Usually the first question they'll ask is, where's Bill? Uh, and, <laughs> right <it's>, here. <laughs> right. But they, they definitely, I mean, they're excited and it's cool, but it's really weird because it's like, you know, as a wrestler, if you get recognized, like your goal is just to get to the show and yeah, I'll take my time out and say hi to fans, whatever. Like we're fans. So like we're here to meet wrestlers and stuff too. So when you, people are like, oh my God, you know, it's like, yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad to meet you. I'm here to meet Randy Orton or whatever, you know, like it, uh, it, it's it's wild how um, how cool, they because we can talk wrestling with them, you know, oh, for, sure. for sure. And it, it's awesome. And what blew me away the whole time is internationally. I mean, there would be people that would come up and be like, hey, Bill and Doug, and be like from Ireland, from <laughs> Let me buy you a drink, and it's like, what? like it, it was wild, but um, it's very cool. Like I've, I've appreciated everybody. I've always, ta- I've never blown anybody off. Uh, I, I always talk to whoever, you know. Like if I hear you, I'll talk to you. Um, it's, it's, it's always a cool experience to, to meet people. But it's so weird because, like, dude, a lot of this is just about me getting stuff off my chest, you know, like. And, and, and I think one of the big replacements of YouTube for the IWC was Twitter because then you could just immediately respond and have like a quick post and put it out there and that's it. Um, and now it, 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 I feel like Twitter has ran its course. I feel like Twitter is accessible and I feel like you need to have more than just your characteristics allowed to explain your position on things. And so, um, you know, my goal moving forward and more so is just to focus on if I really want to talk about something in depth then just make a YouTube video about it. So that's kind of how I feel. Was, uh, was there anything else you want to talk about as far as like the YouTube channel or back then, or do you want to talk more like current day stuff, super chats, kind of what, what are y'all feeling next? Well, we can talk about revolution. That's kind of the elephant in the room. Let's let's go there. Yeah, I want to know your feelings. I mean, obviously we had, in my opinion, I thought the show totally delivered. I thought it was a great show from top to bottom. But the thing that most people are going to talk about is the dud of an explosion after the main event. Um, So, I mean, either y'all can, I don't care who goes first here. Let me know your thoughts on revolution and the finish and kind of how they've tried to cover it up uh, since then. Yeah, so I felt the same way, like in terms of the the pay-per-view from start to finish, it, it definitely delivered. I thought the tag match was to open the show was really good. The Bucks always 
tend to have memorable matches no matter who they're in there with. And it was no different with MJF and Jericho. I mean, when it comes to the book, like we're just getting stupid to the point to where it's like they don't sell or they don't respect the business or they did too many Canadian destroyers or they're one of the greatest tag teams of all time. By far. Period. It's not even close. Like the Bucks on pay-per-view is just guaranteed money. Like they deliver one hundred percent. And uh if if I go back and I look at um all the W all the young bucks stuff like it's some of the greatest matches that we've ever seen in tag team history and so to me they deserve unbelievable amount of respect and it's like when you look at jericho and you look at mjf you're not necessarily thinking oh this is going to be the greatest match but you're forgetting this is a young bucks match and if the young bucks are on pay-per-view it really doesn't matter who they're wrestling they're going to go out there and deliver yeah and then immediately after that they had the casino tag team battle royal or whatever they called it um but it was cool because it's like okay you got to see a killer tag team match now who's going to challenge them um so they kind of kept that theme in line and yeah there were a lot of teams in that one i i get it um and so that that was kind of challenging to get invested but but yeah, uh, I, I, I'd, say, I'd say the only miss on the show was like the Miro and Kip Sabian, Orange yeah. Cassidy, Chuck Taylor. I, that's really the only match I can yeah. think of on the top of my head that was like I didn't like. Yeah, I liked Bear Bear Country. I think that's what their name is in that match. Like I thought they had a pretty impressive showing, and then um, obviously the uh, the end between like you know Jungle Boy, Pac, and um, Ray Phoenix. Like that was. That was awesome. Like, it, you so know. Phoenix killed it at the end, man. That was unbelievable. And Ray Phoenix and Pac versus the Bucks. Are you freaking kidding me? Like, that is going to be a match for the ages. Like, that that could be your tag team match of the year right there. For sure. For sure. I mean, I thought the latter match was sloppy. Like, there were definitely spots that didn't go as, mm-hmm. as well. And, like – Jake the Snake does not need to be in that match. Like, his movements are so slow. Like, I understand they wanted and – and I guess that's my biggest problem right now with AEW is they're booking these pay-per-views like they're WrestleManias because there's only four of them, and they cram it with every talent that they can fit in because they want to give them a fair shake and a payday and all that, and I get it. But it does hurt your product, and you can only have so many casino battle royals. You can only have so many ladder matches – and if the guys – you're going to have to determine who you really want to focus on and who are you, is going to be like your filler. Yeah, and I, I think it's just about earning your spot, right? If you made it to pay-per-view, you've earned your spot on the pay-per-view. If you didn't, then you'll probably get a big dynamite match, right, which is almost just as good. And then you'll get featured on the next pay-per-view, right? So you just kind of have to wait your turn in line. I think they have a, an issue right now with only having that two hours of content and – you know, four pay-per-views a year, they're, they're starting to get a little bit crowded on the roster and they're going to either a have to let some guys go or B um, come up with another show. And that's probably what that uh, AEW dark elevation is for some, some of those people. Um, but, you know, neither here nor there. I, I, I thought the show was, was really good. I, I felt the same about the ladder match. Yeah. There were some sloppy moments, but Cody took a Canadian destroyer on a yeah. ladder on the outside. Are you kidding me? Like that was, that was insane. Um, and there was just, you know, there was a lot of insane spots in that match, but that's the one I remember. 
I think I think the Ethan Page thing was pretty predictable. Like I, I definitely think that that was. I, I told Bill that over and over. I was like, this is gonna be Ethan Page. Like it wasn't even a debate because once they had released the WWE University class or whatever going into NXT, then Ethan Page wasn't on there. It was pretty obvious that he was going to AEW. And I'm glad they didn't have Ethan Page win because I don't want to see. Ethan Page and Darby Allen on a blow-off dynamite match. Like I want a story for that match because those guys have history. Yeah. That's what got me to notice Darby in the first place and Ethan Page. Like that's the first time I'd really paid attention to Darby and saying, wow, this guy isn't just like some crazy CZW guy. Like it made me realize that this guy has some talent. And yeah. uh, and same with Ethan Page. Like I made me kind of say, well, this guy isn't just some flash in the pan, like he's taking it seriously. Um, so I can't wait to see those two lock it up. Well, and then you go with the exploding Marmar death mat. Well, first of all, to the Sting match. I know yeah. you're Sting Mark, Stephen. What did you think? Were you marking out? I thoroughly enjoyed that match. I really did. Like, awesome. I, But there should have been no commentary. Okay, I, I agree with that. But as far as like the actual match, like the cinematics of it, because I'm not huge on the cinematic match, like in general, like I, I think it can be really hit or miss for me. Right. And a few things, obviously for, you know, who knows how long it took for them to film that, but we have seen on dynamite, we've seen sting go out there live, hit the scorpion death drop, hit the stinger splash. Like he can do like his five big moves still. So, it, it is really, I'm very optimistic about, uh, and Doug knows this, just so you know, Bill, like my big thing with Sting is I really hated how he was used in the WWE. And I'm a huge WCW mark. I grew up in Atlanta, I'm WCW through and through. I hated the Sting and WWE thing. So I, I love the idea of him trying to like redeem himself on the way out. You know, that's like my big thing. Um, but I, I loved it. And it sounds like you guys enjoyed the, the cinematic match as well. Yeah, I thought, Sting was portrayed well. Um, Darby, being Darby, took his, you know, crazy sick spots, like getting tossed through a window or whatever like, it was. Or, entrance, too. Like, yeah. like the, it was all know, well done. Car and then picking up Dart, like picking him up. And then, like, they had, like, the army of people with the mask on and, like, the whole nine. Like, it was sick. And that you could tell Darby really had his hand in a lot of that stuff. That was awesome. But I thought it was awesome that Sting had like half his face was Darby's paint. Also, I just thought it was cool as hell. Yeah. The only part I did like in commentary was Taz on commentary because he's reacting to seeing like when they get the upper hand, he's marking out. When they're getting their butt kicked, he's freaking out. Like I, I liked that part. But and I love this version of Taz, by the way. Yeah. Like, this is the Taz that we haven't seen in a very long time, right? Yeah. So it's pretty cool to see that. Taz has definitely been been. Uh, Booked right. I mean, to me, the best managers right now is Taz and Don Callis. Like, I think that they're both been great. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously the the Darby elbow, like that was incredible. Yeah, um, awesome spot. I did like the Brian Cage. Like, I think he put Darby in like a suplex position and then uh, walked up the stairs with him to like That's showcase cool. his power. I thought that yeah. was really cool. Um, but yeah, it was it was a brutal physical match for. For Darby and one thing I can say about the cinematic matches though is they're great story builders. You know what I mean? Like they're great character building. Like you remember when, like John Cena would like piss on the Undertaker's grave and like stuff like that. Like that that made me look at him at a different level. 
than just some dork that would come rap on the mic. Like he added more serious to himself. And then he like set the whole thing with like a A or something. He set the whole thing on fire and he was in the middle of it and stuff. It was just like, dude, this he's got some edge to him. And like when you see stuff like that in the cinematic matches, like I think that it really helps, especially a guy like Darby. Um, it helps put him over. So I, I think that, that that can be a big tool. Um, but I, I don't think that you can do these all the time. I, I certainly don't think Sting can only wrestle cinematic matches. I think he's going to have to go in there and wrestle. I think he knows that too. I think that's the plan. And uh, we'll just we'll see what happens from here. I mean, I'm good if he goes in there and wrestles Cody. If he goes in there and wrestles Darby, like those are like the two matches I want. I think he maybe beats Cody because it doesn't matter for Cody. Like either way at this point, he's going to be like their top guy either way. But I think as long as he loses to Darby on his way out, like it's all totally worth it. Yeah. Um, and Brandon uh, in- Instant Classic is in the chat. What's up, Brandon? Hey, right. Says I liked Revolution, but I didn't love it. Still think AEW needs to get a little tighter on their pay per views, which which I do think is a sentiment that a lot of fans feel. Um, and that being said, what were your thoughts on the main event, the exploding barbed wire death match, and then the the big countdown and, uh, you know, all that stuff? I thought it was crazy. Um, the, the barbed wire spots in the beginning where you can see their shirt ripping, their skin, you know, getting pierced, uh, you know, people's hair getting caught in the barbed wire. The explosions to me looked good on the ropes, like when you would Irish whip somebody or whatever, like it, it looked good and it looked believable. Um, the Moxley um, DDT from the apron through the, you know, exploding barbed wire setup on the floor was insane. And Kenny, like, you know, Kenny jumped pointed head first. Like it was not a traditional DDT he spiked that. Um I think the problem with that spot, though, is that people, like, don't appreciate it because one of the tables did not explode. So only one side did. Yeah. And I'm not saying they're right, but I'm just saying, like, that's the nitpicky garbage that we're still dealing with. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the barbed wire shot to the face, I thought, was probably the most brutal thing in that entire match because it was, like, it was still, like, sparked, like, right in Moxley's face. Like, it wasn't wasn't like, you know, the explosives that kind of went off to the side. Like, that was right in his face. Well, and, and just even the beginning, right? Like, I love the way Kenny looked. He looked like an assassin. He looked like he was ready to kill Moxley. Dead serious. This, all the, the, the cocky heel stuff, it all went away. And he was, like, walking down there to do damage. Die, yep. Then they really teased the barbed wire. Like, neither guy wanted to touch it. They stayed away for a while. And then, like, Moxley just got thrown into it. Um, and, and so the tension was there. It was good. I thought it finished pretty short. I, I felt like it, 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 it could have gone longer. And then the post-match stuff. Well, hold on really quick, though. I do want to mention, Brandon yeah. mentioned this in the chat. One, probably my favorite spot of that match, and I'm glad he brought it up, was the one-winged angel rope break when Mox sacrificed his foot to explode the the ropes to give oh, her. Yeah. That was, I thought that was oh, brilliant. Yeah. It was cool. great. Definitely great. Like the, the, the ring psychology was there. There was a lot of good stuff there, and people want to destroy the match just for the very end. And like, if that thing went one, two, three, and then they said goodnight, like, it, we're we're talking about a completely different pay per view. Um, but 
it sucks. I mean, it's just to me, it's it's one of those things you rehearse it, you do the best you can, and live TV freaking happens, people. Like, get over it. Like, I understand that it sucked. It sucked for everybody. We all hated that part. But you know what? At the end of the day, you rehearse it, rehearse it, and things happen on live TV. You know, if if AEW wasn't willing to take chances like that, you never would have got that match. You never would have got the stadium stampede match. You never would have got the dog collar match. You wouldn't get all these. They're not afraid to take any risks. Yeah. And, and that's what I love about them. And sometimes it works in their favor and sometimes they get egg on their face, like in this instance. But to me, they're not afraid to laugh at themselves about it. And they're not afraid to you know try to come up with an explanation for it either. Um, to me, it's. They'll learn from it, and I wouldn't be surprised if, like, in the in the future, like, if they do any kind of match, they'll do another one, and it'll be it'll work fine. But um, that's concerning, right? They're probably like over overloaded an explosive table or something. I don't know, but but uh, but to me, AEW will take risks that no other wrestling promotion and WWE won't even touch. Um, so. Well, you know, like I was part of a group chat with a bunch of WWE fans in there from from one of my buddies, and I mean, I was so ready to just go off, and like they made fun of the Yoshi match because they think the Japanese women are terrible, and they they don't think that they can deliver, and because they're not attracted to them, and they don't, and they they acted goofy, and she used the slap so many times at the chest and all that stuff. And then that exploding barbed wire, I mean, you know, Gilmer, the Sparks, the AEW assigned Sparks, and all this other stuff. But yet, you watch a company that when a guy starts to bleed, they stop the match and wipe it off his face. Like, you can't tell me that AEW does not go out there and literally try to give you everything that they have. They do. Um and, and but you know, like Kenny said, that they tested that thing and it worked multiple times in the test, and then the final product it just didn't, and that's just part of live TV. And we've seen duds and stuff like that happen before in live TV. Um, it, it's just one of those unfortunate things that this was their biggest buy rate, this was their biggest pay per view, and uh, people saw that. But hopefully, all the other stuff that they saw, they ended up leaving happy. Uh, one thing we didn't really talk about was Christian Cage and and uh, his his uh, big signing. Um, I thought that that was pretty predictable, honestly. Like once once I heard the name Christian Cage, it was just like light bulb. This makes sense. It is him. Um, and, and and the reason I thought that mainly was he's been gone from WWE TV after Royal Rumble. Um, they, we know that AEW contacted Edge before he showed up in the WWE. So it's like, it makes sense that they would be interested in him as well. And uh, once once we found out that he was a free agent, like, of course he's going to go. If he got medically cleared, then absolutely. I thought, and I mean, you saw him at the Rumble too. He wasn't in like, you know, just like a one match return kind of shape either like he was he was pretty shredded so it was like he was ready to come back full time and so if wwe told him hey we're not going to use you until after mania or you know we might give you something in the next six months well he's not a spring chicken so waiting six months isn't going to work for a guy like christian cage at this stage of his career so he's got to get in it he's got to get in it now well it was even more suspect when like edge is going to be the main event of the show and you figured they'd have christian incorporated into that somehow in the build up to wrestlemania and 
you know? Yeah. And I don't know, maybe that's not how it worked out. Maybe they did have plans for him and Christian just took a better offer um, because he knew that he had talent that he can work with and that they're not going to be, there's not going to be any limitations or restrictions on what he wants to do. Well, it was dope that they got, they were able to use his old TNA music. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Man, they really do have a working relationship with with Impact. Like this is no joke, and uh, I thought that that was really cool. Um, and this is this is the difference, though. When people start that bull crap about like, oh, TNA all over again. Here we go with all the old veterans and blah blah blah. The the difference is is the pay per view didn't go so well, right? TNA would never ever be smart enough and been able to fix it the way AEW did it on Dynamite. Like, they they did such a great job of turning a negative into a positive. And, it's just, and what I love, it felt so much like old WWE when, like, after a pay-per-view, feuds are done. We're on to the next. We're moving on to the next opponent. So, like, Sting comes out and out comes Archer. And they're going to interview Christian Cage, and then here's Kenny Omega cutting his uh, interview because he's more important. And Cody all of a sudden is getting called out by Pentagon, and like it's just there's just so much that just like is fresh. And then like Scorpio Sky and Darby, and like we're off to the races now. We ain't worried about Revolution. Like we decided to go on to a different path now. So. That was so rewarding. That was so um, that 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 made you feel better. Even even the way that Kenny made fun of the match and like how Don Callis <laughs> cover and like like uh, how uh, Eddie Kingston and Moxley did their promo. Like they, they just did such a yeah. job of being able to just say like well, you know we know it was a mess up, but we're on to the next and and here we go. So and let's I, be honest. I mean. If you're a fan, or if you're not a fan, and you ordered Revolution or just watched Revolution with a friend and you've never seen AEW before, do you think it would be that big of a disappointment? Maybe the finish, but everything else, like, you know, seeing a, you know, exploding barbed wire death match, like, that's not something that, you know, a casual fan has probably ever seen before. Um, getting to see the Young Bucks in Jericho and MJF tear down the house, getting to see, you know, the stuff from Phoenix and Jungle Boy, like that's not stuff you get to see on WWE. Um, right. So I, I do think that there was still appeal. And I do think that someone that has never seen AEW before would still be happy with a show like that because that's not something they get or that they're used to seeing. And let's be honest, you're getting in front of a live crowd. Like people haven't been seeing this. They've been seeing screens right. all around and then that's all they've seen. So to just be able to get a live reaction and, and everything like that means a lot too. So um, for a casual fan, they wouldn't have even really paid attention, right? Like they wouldn't have known that Christian was going to show up. Right. So yeah. they wouldn't have known that there was a signing. So when Christian shows up, they're like, Whoa, I didn't know this was going to happen. Um, so, you know, there's, there's still a lot of good on the pay-per-view that will probably be overshadowed, but I still enjoyed it. Well, and even with like, the botch at the end with the explosives, the missions were still accomplished. Like Kingston and Mox are a team now. Like they're just going to, they'll just move past it. That was what it was all meant to do anyways. Now there's a reason that Kingston and Mox are teaming. They had been enemies and they were friends before AEW. So it all makes sense. I 
as long as they don't just keep going back to talking about it over and over again, we just kind of move past that explosion. I think they're still set up fine. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So I guess what, this is one thing that I want to talk about. Um, 2006, we started making videos and now we're in 2021. Like what, what have we seen in wrestling that surprised us like that, that what has changed, what hasn't changed Um, since Bill's been kind of gone away for a while. You can go ahead and answer that bill. I think for me, it's that, you know, the guys on the independence that we thought would never be on the main stage in WWE are there, you know, all you basically the whole ring of honor roster is in NXT or in WWE uh, to some degree on the main, on the main show. So, um, I think that's amazing and it's cool and it's a testament to those guys that have worked so hard that thought maybe the only paycheck they would get is from Ring of Honor in New Japan, right? Right. It was still, you know, pretty good pay, especially like, you know, 2015, 2016 when they started to get a lot of steam. Um, but those guys can, you know, now make a career and, you know, retire knowing that they got to do what they love to do. And and so it's cool for me, and that's the biggest surprise is that we did see the transition that we wanted in terms of getting those guys, you know, into WWE and on the main stage. Now, once guys leave NXT, that's a completely different conversation and story because they're going to be uh, stuck in ir- irrelevancy after about two weeks when they have to change their name, their gear, and their theme music. But that's a, yeah. So, well, and, and when it comes to WWE, like I guess you know. I had such a hatred towards them. I felt betrayed, all that good stuff. But then when TNA kind of fell off, it was just like, man, this is what wrestling companies do, I guess. Because WCW was good, it got bad. WWE was good, it got bad. TNA was good, it got bad. And you just kind of accepted it for what it was. Like, And I think that's the biggest thing with WWE. There's going to be hit and misses. Um, I'm not going all in just to destroy the WWE. If it's good, it's good. And I'll admit it, like NXT takeovers have were amazing. Like when there was a crowd and like, you know, Gargano and Ciampa and Adam Cole, Feuded Era, even Belmateen Dream at the time, Aleister Black, like it, it was unbelievable. Um, and they were can't miss shows, so they were delivering for sure. And then in 2016, man, AJ had a hell of a run. Like uh, the the Dean Ambrose matches and the the um, Roman Reigns matches, and you know later on with Cena and all this other stuff. Like AJ was was out there delivering tenfold. So there's still good stuff in WWE right now. Roman Reigns is a fantastic champion right now. He's over and he's a heel and all this, but. I will say this. I, I honestly, like, you know, Brandon brought this up in our chat a couple of weeks ago, but, like, I think he's really on to something. Like, why does the WWE want crowds back? Because this is the way that they can j- do whatever they want to do and never be held accountable for anything that they do. Yeah. They just push whatever narrative they are. They're completely manufactured, and they can give you a manufactured product, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. You can just sit there and watch it, or you don't. If you don't, it doesn't matter. They've already got their money from Peacock, and and a lot of the wrestlers like it better without a crowd. 
because then they can just focus on the performance. They're not distracted. They're not worried about it. They just get out there. They don't, they don't get nervous. They just go out there and perform to the camera. And they feel like a lot of them have gotten better. And it allows the fans not to interrupt the narrative. So if we were in this right now, Daniel Bryan would have never gotten a shot. And we would we would be getting Batista and Orton and Daniel Bryan and Sheamus and whatever else because – they can control their narrative. So I am surprised that they want to go back to live crowds. I, you know, the only reason they do is because of ticket sales. But I, to me, this is perfect for them. They've always wanted to manufacture their own product. They've always wanted to force feed what they want to give you. And this is the way that they can deliver it. Yeah, I've said that a lot about the retribution angle because there's no way they could have done that whole retribution thing if there was a crowd because people would have literally been laughing. Like, it was so bad that it would have been boos and laughs. And because there was no crowd, like, it's exactly what you were saying. And I I think you're totally right. What Brandon was saying is, from that perspective, why would you want a crowd? Because you're not going to have anyone trying to hijack the shows or anything, you know? Yeah, sure. And I think, you know, if... Mania has thirty to forty-five thousand people, like they're saying it's going to have. Um, the emotion from everyone, including the wrestlers, is going to be pretty visible, and it will be a cool experience because, yeah, I think they haven't performed in front of a crowd in what a year, over a year. Yeah, so it's they'll be fired up. They'll yeah, they're all going to be really fired up, and um, once you know, I would say midsummer, you know, yeah. hopefully. Um, we'll start to see full crowds coming back in some areas. So um, it will be the ticket sales are going to be probably through the roof. Like yeah. it's going to be hard to get ticket because everybody's going to want to go um, just to kind of, you know, release that energy that they've been holding for like a whole year. I don't know. I feel like it'll be a mixed bag because I feel like no matter what, there's going to be people who feel like they're not safe. Right. It doesn't matter how many people have had it or whatever. Like there's some people that are just mentally shook now. So yeah. I think it could be a mixed bag. I think that, that you know, there's going to be a lot of people that are willing to take risks and feel fine about it. And there's going to be people that, like, will need 100%, like, solid proof that there's no trace of anything for them to go back out. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it'll, it'll be a, it'll be an interesting uh, ex- human experiment, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, what did you guys think about um, the MJF dynamite uh, stable swerve? All that I thought it was awesome. Like I, I, I didn't see it coming at all. Like, I, I thought that they were going to kick out Santana and Ortiz. That's what I thought was going to happen um, because when they had mentioned they were going to shake up the inner circle, and Santana and Ortiz had been given pretty much dirty looks to MJF and didn't really fit in kind of fit in that same mold with Sammy. I'm like, Oh, there's, there's no way they're going to get booted out. Um, but to see, you know, MJF planning that and then obviously being with, you know, his group of guys, Wardlow and, um, uh, Sean Spears, Sean Spears. And, uh, why am I drawing? FTR. FTR. Yeah. That's, I think that's like perfect. Um, for 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 them, I think it's a perfect group. Minus the Sean Spears, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sean uh, Spears is a little weird, but I do like how they played on the chemistry of MJF and Sean Spears, like in the well, past. And he was with Tully, so I mean, it makes sense. But what, what I loved about it so much 
was that group was kind of already forming, and we didn't even think about MJF being in it. You know what I mean? Yep. And I mean, they busted open Jericho, power bombed him off the stage through two tables. Like that's that's the way to kind of solidify. I feel like it's going to lead to a blood and guts. Yep. That's that's the ultimate payoff is the blood and guts. Yep, do what they and, couldn't do last year. Right. And um, when it comes to uh, the the whole swerve of it, like what I liked about it was, is it looked like Inner Circle was turning on Jericho. Then Jericho flipped it and turned it on MJF. And then when MJF said that he had his own group, I kind of thought it was going to be the, those MLW guys because he was in that faction so, W. Yeah. And so when I saw that it was, you know, FTR and Tolly and, and Wardlow and Sean, I was just like, oh, wow. But it's kind of like, so this is something that I I knew existed, but I just never linked it together. And I thought that that was genius booking, you know, because Tony Khan is the booker of the year. Um, but <laughs> part, of, part of Tony – makes me nervous. Like I can hear the mark in him and I think he tends to over exaggerate and it worries me because, and this is what you said too, Steven, it's like he has a fig fed and he's got all these action figures because he's like this diehard wrestling fan, right? He has all these action figures and he's like, I'm going to play this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to put this here. And I'm Okay. So these action figures here are outdated now and you're out of shelf space. You got to, you got to take those out to put in your new action figures. No, I want more action figures. I just want more and more. And I'm going to put them all like he needs to, he needs to scale it back a little bit. That's my biggest concern with him. I think the good news about that though, too, is that you have Kenny, you have Cody, you have the bucks, you have offsetting kind of opinions and, I think they all respect each other enough to listen to each yeah. other. And, and so even if Tony has a wacky idea, I guarantee you one of those guys is going to shut it down or offer an alternative of some sort. For sure. Yeah. I feel like the forbidden door opens a lot of opportunity too, because even if you're signed to AEW, but you're not really getting used often on AEW, you can still be lent out to an Impact or an MLW or whoever, NWA, all these other organizations. So, yeah. like, I don't I don't care if every, like, because I'm really, really into independent wrestling. And I like I, I love guys you wrestle in bars and high school gyms in front of, you know, standing room only crowds. Like, I, I still love that stuff. And it's just one of those things where, like, like, I want all of them to make as much money as humanly possible. So I want to see them get signed to, you know, good contracts, but I don't want them to have to sell their soul and like wind up in a, a WWE or something like that. If they're going to not want to be going there. So I'm fine with Tony Khan signing as many people as he wants, as long as the kind of cream of the crop of who he has is featured mainly on AEW. But if he has some people that are signed to AEW, but like they're being used on impact or ring of honor or something, I don't mind that at all. Yeah, that's fine. Like, put them on AEW Dark Elevation or something. But at some point, you have to – it's it's just like anything else with an NFL team. You've got a cap of guys, and, you know, you may not want to release certain guys, but you have to make that decision to bring in someone better. Um, sure. It should be the same thing in pro wrestling. Like, at some point, you're going to get surpassed. You've got to bring in the next generation. 
Well, it's like if Andrade actually got his release, right? Like somebody needs to be cut. It doesn't need to be another add-on. Somebody needs to be cut to make room for a guy like that. You can't just be like, well, he's great. I'm going to sign him. But, like, dude, you just got too much going on. Like, it's something that needs to kind of be cut down. But do you think a part – I know we've talked about it before, but do you, I think a part of that has to do with the pandemic. I think Tony Khan doesn't want to be the guy who's firing people right now, even though it would be a smart business decision to release some people. But I think I think we will see him do a round of cuts at some time, but, you know, kind of when this is all settled down. Well, we'll see what he does in the summer. Because to me, that's what really is going to determine if he's a great boss or not. Because if you can't cut people, if you're not able to – have enough guts or whatever not to be able to take away the fan out of you and, and focus on business, then that's a problem because we're we're getting to the point now where this thing is like filled and there's not enough TV time and you're going to hurt your show by trying to throw everybody in as much as you can. That's, that's my biggest concern with him. But, hey, is there a way to go back and look at some of the Super Chats? Yeah, I can, I can pull them all. I got them all. Okay, yeah. yeah let's go ahead and do all some right, of those. I want to lose sight of that yeah yeah so just reminder anybody who sends a super chat we're going to answer every one of these questions read out all of your statements comments all that stuff i'm scrolling back up uh towards the top here so if you send a super chat and you're still in here and we somehow miss it please just let me know um let me know here boy where did they go i had them all where did they go let me uh let me get it pulled up on another screen here guys oh that's cool yeah i'm definitely uh, we're not as critical of the WWE as we were, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I just accept that what, that's what they are. And, like, my biggest problem now is that people view pro wrestling as them, and there's they're, they're not. Like, pro wrestling is just, like, the way that they view pro wrestling is just a way that they try to present how they want to do it, but that's not technical pro wrestling. Like, New Japan, you know, AEW, Ring of Honor, Impact, whatever. Like, there's so much out there in pro wrestling that's not necessarily about uh, just WWE and right. how they want to. It's present. about what flavor of wrestling you want. I mean, if you don't like what's in the WWE, you can get something from AEW or New Japan or um, ROH, even though they're barely still in business. It seems like um, the independence. I mean, the independent scene is is, you know, was thriving prior to the pandemic. Um, That's one thing too, Bill, like True Slayer still is like, tries to put over Ring of Honor, and I'm just like, bro, it's over. Oh, yeah. I I mean, yeah, ROH is, I mean, they, if they brought crowds back, maybe I'd pay a little more attention, but it just, man, when we went to that Houston show and there was like 200 people in a 5,000-seat arena, it was (laughs) compelling. It was bad. I mean, it was so bad. You wanted to say like they didn't have some good guys. I had to talk you into staying. You were ready to leave midway. Yeah, I just – and just to go from, you know, where it was with Cody and the Bucks and those guys that really drew the house um, and Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa and all those guys, um, it just it's just a completely different roster now. So they just have to, you know, if they can get crowds back, they need to kind of reintroduce themselves to the audience. Um, but that's – I mean, now that – I have children. Um, my perspective on WWE, even though it hasn't like drastically altered, I do look at it differently. Like my son's a big Goldberg fan, you know, and 
And uh, he likes Braun Strowman. He likes all the big guys. He loves the baby faces and hates the heels. You know, I never would have went to the Rumble last year if it wasn't for him. So I'm really thankful that I went. And we both marked out when Edge returned, you know. So um, I still enjoy WWE um, to a degree and, you know, love all the documentaries on the network. Um, Incredibly well done. The one on Yoko was incredible because you don't usually get that kind of perspective from that far back. Um, Could you imagine if they gave us the network in 06? Oh. Like, man, I would have I would have marked out some. I didn't care how much I hated the WWE. If I had the network, I would Yeah, you can always go back and watch stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I remember one of the super chats was uh, Jericho, Bret Hart in their prime. Who wins? I saw that as well. And sorry, guys, I, they were all on the screen, and I scrolled up, and then I scrolled up again. I don't know, like, where they have Is there gone. a way to recover them? There has to be. Like, as I can see all these comps, but it only goes back to, like, 11 p.m. my time now. So, like, the first hour of comments, I don't know what the heck happened to them. Well, one thing, we have so many comments. Like, we have not had, like, like you you can normally keep up with the Super Chats, but so many people have commented, so that's freaking awesome that you guys – have tuned in. Um, now I feel guilty that we, uh, you know, we didn't get to those a little bit sooner. I know I answered the AEW question. Um, do you have Streamlabs by chance, Doug? Like, no, you, no. okay. I, I will say that one person asked um, what was like one of our favorite videos that we've ever done. Okay, you remember that? Um, Probably the Saw video. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the one where we like went through all of the DVDs and had to fans. Yeah, I used the Mickey song from Rocky. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and and then like we used the saw when I when I amped up the promo. Uh, yeah, that one was definitely a classic. Uh, also, Vince is a genius. If Vince is a genius, I think yeah, that was fun. really good. Um, a, a lot of a lot of stuff like that. Um, uh, the response to comments was a lot of fun. Yeah, like, those were so much fun. I really, really enjoyed. Even though it wasn't like necessarily like a live video, I enjoyed the uh, the uh, press conference invasion. That was super yep. cool and nerve wracking um, to say the <laughs> least. <laughs> but it's like you were so pissed off that it it, it didn't matter because you were just going after Coach. But even then. I didn't say a word when Cena was out there. Like yeah. I knew I was like, oh, you're the man. Go ahead. Even though I did, like I was talking all that crap. I'm like, he's still good. And he will like bury me on the mic or something. If I say anything. Right. So. I think that was a humbling experience for me with Cena is when I, I felt like when the rock came to and, and feud with Cena, he was just going to make Cena look like it just had and I expected The Rock to just destroy Cena, and Cena kind of destroyed The Rock. And I was just like, damn, you know? Promo like, notes. I was just like, out on the promo notes and all that, and then The Rock was talking about ripping his throat out. Like, he I was like, oh, he got to us. Yeah. <laughs> he just got to him. Yeah. And, and, and then, like, I mean, he really went, on, went hard on The Rock, and I was just like, dude, like – Impressive, and then the CM Punk stuff, and then, the uh, and then like his U.S. title reign. Like, 
after a while, like you couldn't you couldn't deny Cena. What I loved about Cena is he modified his style. Like he realized, like, look, I've got these. Like he was just like weight training and and doing his five moves of doom, you know. And and all of a sudden, it was like I have to change. Like I have to start doing like more like CrossFit workouts and getting better like cardio condition so I can hang with guys like Cesaro and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and you know like he was having a series of incredible matches with those guys that and got them all noticed. So yeah. That was the same for me. That US Open Challenge era for Cena totally changed my perspective. Well what, what really impressed me is he didn't have to do that. Like he was already the top guy and like he didn't have to go out there and have great matches, but he chose to. He chose to get better. He chose to keep going out there and, and change it up. Because, like, you got a guy like Goldberg, he's never going to give you everything he had. He just – he was this and that was it, and it got him over and whatever. But, like, Cena could have been that same way, but he continually got better and made sure that he kept elevating himself to compete with the new up-and-comers. So I gave him a lot of respect for that. Um, we got another super chat from Vincent Valentine here a second ago. One last thing to check, maybe Bill, if, or sorry, Doug. On if you're on YouTube and you're logged in and you're looking at your chat, do you have a drop down where it says top chat that has a super chat option? I have no idea. Give me a second. Okay, thanks. I'm so sorry, guys. Like they were literally all on the screen, and I don't know, like Streamyard, they just all disappeared. I have no clue what happened. And if you guys, you know, want to repost. If you donated and we didn't get to your question, um, by all means, you can repost your question. Yes. But if we get like a thousand questions, then I'm like, (laughs) stuff happening there. Yeah, just kidding. Um, Yeah, because I, I mean, I guess, I guess, while Doug, while you're looking for that, Vincent Valentine with Super Chat says, Welcome back, Bill. Where would TNA be right now if they had Tony Khan or Paul Heyman back, um, like back in 2010, 2011, compared to where AEW is today? Because there, there was a lot of talk about Heyman possibly coming into TNA back then. Yeah, I mean, of course, we were all for it back then. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it would have be, it would have been a lot better than the position that they were in. Um, I will tell you that. But, you know, it's – it's just neither here nor there at this point. I mean, Tony Khan or Paul Heyman, you know, they, they both have different perspectives. Um, and you can, like I said, you can play the hearsay game, but I'm kind of happy that it ended up going the way it did. And, you know, Heyman's pretty comfortable where he is now. And I'm glad that he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't have that same kind of chip on his shoulder that he used to have. Um, you can tell that he's definitely more relaxed. He still definitely has a mind for the business, but, I don't even know that Heyman now would have a pulse on what people want to see because it's been so long. Um, I don't look at Heyman as like, like, like he could book wrestling today. Like he could have booked wrestling in, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands for sure. But um, I don't know that I look at him the same way. And Tony Khan, you know, who knows? I just think all the, the pieces fell into place at the right time for Tony Khan to have that opportunity. You know, if he would have taken on 
you know, TNA before like Omega and the Bucks got noticed, who knows what kind of, like he would have been a fan, but who knows what he would have like wanted and how he would have steered that ship. Um, so. Yeah. yeah. That was like his big thing. Wasn't it? Like if Heyman was to come over, he was going to, you wanted to get rid of everyone who was over 40 outside of like Kurt Angle, basically, or like just leave one veteran around and then. Yeah. Just I wasn't against that. Right. right. Yeah. No, I don't think. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> please. You know? So, but yeah, I, we were definitely hoping that Heyman would have come on board, but it just never came to pass. And thankfully it, you know, we still ended up getting to see, um, you know, some good stuff from, from impact and got to see ROH and new Japan and the formation of AEW. I mean, I'm happy with, you know, the past that, that happened because otherwise we never would, might never have gotten AJ or Samoa Joe or any of those guys in WWE. Yeah, for sure. Well, and like the, the thing too, is that Paul Heyman, yeah, he got the booking rights or whatever to do t- to help TNA. And I mean, I think he would have definitely improved it, but like at the end of the day, that guy's a liar and that guy's still a shady businessman. And it, I think it would not have worked out at all. So, I mean, look at the heat that he had with AJ, with the good brothers and how the good brothers, like he, he lied to AJ about the good brothers and like AJ doesn't like him to this day. So um, I, I feel like he would always pull something shady. It's just in his nature. Um, I think he's definitely a legend. Don't get me wrong. But like, if you think that Paul Heyman isn't like, he's just a stand up guy, like you're going to be sadly mistaken. So uh, I don't think that he would have been the savior. I don't think anything would have saved TNA. Like TNA was def- definitely doomed to fail. Um, and, and now, you know, with impact, uh, you know, they just really had to scale it back and just kind of become an indie. And, um, I don't, I don't know how they, they're still around, honestly, like the financial backing, all that. I don't, I don't get, I hate the fact that they don't have live crowds to this day. Like if you're still doing the exact same thing that you've done for over a year, like you haven't done enough like you should be able to make gradual steps to change things and they're still doing these empty arenas and all this other stuff so i don't really agree with that and i especially do if you're going to use a kenny match if you're going to do kenny and moose or kenny and rick swan like that cannot be in some freaking gymnasium a warehouse empty crowd no fans like you can't do that do that thing on daily's place at a dynamite i don't film it there you know, and then put it on pay-per-view or something. But, like, you can't do that in an empty, empty spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably just more of an economics thing for them just to be able to limit their expense um, at that view. I get it, but that's, that's too big of a moment to just not. Uh, yeah, I think that Kenny and and I think it's going to be Rich Swan based on what I saw in the comments. I think Rich Swan beat Moose. So, yeah. so Swan, like that, yeah, they can do that. That means Moose is about to bounce. And it's weird how like it's like they're at, like I think Ethan Page was pretty upset with like how his exit was handled with yeah. Impact, but he signed with AEW. So yeah. like it was I was thinking he was going to WWE for sure. So yeah, no, pretty happy with his decision and all that. Um, yep. Yes, yeah, weird. I, the whole open door thing is weird. Like Impact is totally getting buried during this angle. Like. And I understand that they want the attention and everything, but like Tony Khan goes on there and basically trashes them and then they'll bring in their wrestlers and their wrestlers will win. 
and uh, you know Kenny's likely to win the title and be the AEW and Impact champion. And Swan uh, win the AEW title. I'm uh, like, what is this? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that would be something. Um, but then, dude, you got to think if he wins both those. It's time to go to New Japan to go go against Kota Ibushi and get that to the building. I hope. Well, that's yeah. That's I think that's the big end game. Is like a year from now them doing Kenny versus Ibushi oh, for like Wrestle Kingdom, Kenny and Kota for the for the freaking title. Like I will be on cloud nine, and I hope that they are able to travel at that point and they can build a storyline. And Kota be looking at flights to Japan if they do that. <laughs> <laughs> I so, think it'd be awesome if they if they made like a legit world championship. Like didn't matter like a like a right. actual world title that it doesn't matter who you're signed to, like that's almost yeah. like a world cup type thing. That's a good point. That wow. Awesome. Ju- Juice and Finley won the titles too. I totally missed that. I was I was talking to y'all. I totally missed it. Oh, so it's our fault now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so Juice and Finley won the title. So you have New Japan wrestlers as the tag team champions. You have you're gonna have AEW as the world champion. Like that's that's weird, but it's fun, right? Like we've never seen anything like this. And what's weird too is like to me, like ROH doesn't seem like they want a part of this. And if they don't, like, what what are they going to do? I feel like they want a part of this. How could you not? I think there's beef. What I want to do is, like, that, you know, like, Kenny, like, when he's asked about Antonio, they're like, do you want – would you work with WWE? It's an absolute yes, like, with no hesitation. Like, yeah, we would. The door's open. You know? Yeah. Like, I feel like if Triple H was running the WWE, he would take them up on their offer. Remember, he worked with Liger for that takeover match. Like that random, he was signed to New Japan and they brought yeah. Liger over to wrestle Tyler Breeze. Like Triple yeah. H seems open to it. Yeah. I mean, I'm down. Do it. I, 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 <laughs> think wrestling, I think wrestling can really use a shot in the arm or something like that. I mean, I just can't imagine the lights going out on a Raw with a live crowd and Kitty Omega's in the ring. Like, I, I can't. I can't imagine how that would be, but it would be very, very cool. I would definitely. And then, dude, if you did that, give me John Cena. Just give me John Cena for like two months. <laughs> want John Cena for like two months. Yeah. And and just basically Vince has sent him to destroy AEW, and let's go. I think I think I think Tony, and that that's the one good thing about Tony that excites me though, is he's a big enough mark to be like hell. Yes, because if that excites him, that excites us, it excites him. You know what I mean? So I I think that that's definitely a a good thing. And I think, you know, like with Impact, it's like they're not – they were never at that point, like even though we wanted to believe it, they were never at that point where they were like super competitive with WWE. Yeah. They were the number two, but they were still pretty far behind. Like with AEW, they're not that far behind, guys, like in terms of viewers and things of that nature. Like they're – they're a young company and they have a lot of momentum. And even like prior to the pandemic, their momentum I think was the biggest it had ever been because of revolution, the the tag team title match, hangman Adam page was getting to like that stone cold Steve Austin level of over. Like, I don't care what anybody says. Whenever Adam page came out, we were at three live. Was it three dynamites we went to or two? Two. We went to two and we had tickets to a third one. 
Yeah. Um, but I mean, dude, biggest pop of the night was always Adam Page. Like, yep. and it was a roar. Like, it was not super over. Yeah. And so you had that. You had like Darby getting really over. You had Orange Cassidy getting really over. Like, so. I, I, they did have a lot of momentum, and unfortunately, the pandemic affected that for those guys. But um, I do think that AEW has taken the most risks. Um, AEW has tried to keep themselves relevant. They've worked the hardest um, by far to keep themselves relevant. Um, and I think, you know, the, the buy rate for Revolution, whatever that may be, um, if they're saying it's, you know, one of the biggest buy rates they've ever had, obviously it showed that their risks have been paying off. Yeah, and then not only that, you have uh, NXT leaving Wednesdays, and yeah. and that ha- that I feel like that they can start to climb to that one point two. Oh yeah, because they're splitting the audience. So right. you know, the the four hundred thousand fans that were watching NXT are still probably going to watch AEW because it's a similar audience. So right. uh, now if, instead of- if you're at a one point three and a Raw's at a one point eight, like we're not very far, ladies and gentlemen. Like this thing is a uh, you know, um, we got we got a repeat. Okay, uh, from Kogan, um, repost a super chat earlier. You ready to feel old? With the next WrestleMania, there are officially more WrestleManias under the WWE name. <laughs> than the WWF. Oh man! Wow. Oof. Yeah, that's crazy. It really that's is. That yeah, is twenty twenty years. What like? Next year, 2002, yeah, 03 was their first one, right? Their first WrestleMania with the WWE name, yeah, yeah, so 1819. That's wild, yeah, that's that's that's, uh, yeah, that'll that'll make you think there. (laughs) (laughs) And now we're at the point where when someone says WWF, it's really weird, yeah, so it was used to like in the beginning, everybody would mess up. Like, Including the commentators, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, that's that's a, that's a crazy stat there, man. And it's crazy too because it's like the it feels like it doesn't feel like that long ago. It really doesn't. Like I can I can remember everything and the the whole different directions and stuff. But like if if I was said what was going on in 2006, 2007, 2008, like there's a lot of the same guys that are still there in 2021. Like that's wild. Yeah. That, uh, that elimination chamber match they just had was like Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, Sheamus, Kofi, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're all there. They're yeah. all still there. I think that's been one of the biggest issues is like, as guys from NXT, come up and they are clearly ready for the main roster and to get that next level push. There's no transition of anybody out the door. Um, and that's, I think why it's, you know, been so oversaturated on, they got like half the continental United States under contract. Um, so it's, that part is frustrating to see. Um, but I get it. Like you don't want to get rid of like your household names, but I mean, Cena just dropped off the face of the earth. So um, you know, it is what well, it I, is. I think one of the biggest failures of NXT is just the fact that they waited so long to sign these guys, man. Like, yeah, because now when you're like when Randy Orton retires, Adam Cole's not going to be far behind, guys. Right. He destroyed his body in Ring of Honor and New Japan and all these other places right. before he got to WWE. Or Adam Cole, Roger Strong, uh, 
Kyle O'Reilly. I mean, you might have three years, three or even four like years. A, even like a cross. I mean, he's 36 years old. You know, Keith yeah. Lee, 36. Like, Matt Riddle, 35. Like, that's one thing that AEW is kind of ahead on is the fact that, like, MJF, like, 25. Like, yeah. uh, you know, Darby, I think, is only, like, 27 or something. Sammy, I think, is 29. Yeah. But, I mean, they have a lot of uh, young guy, Jungle Boy, you know, I mean, three. Yeah, the, there's just a lot of guys that are young, and uh, I, man, WWE does not have. I don't think WWE has anybody that is like a remote star for them at, at 25 and under. And it's not new stars. They're not creating new stars. They're taking guys that were already over on the independents and putting them on their show. 100%. They're not building new stars. They're buying talent, 100%. All right, guys. Anything else you want to cover or anything you want to be said or you want me to read any of these? or um, For anyone in the chat that if we miss – I think we actually wound up getting, like, all the Super Chats because the other ones that I saw were, like, Kent Jones and True Slayer related, which we covered. So if there is anyone else, though, that we missed your Super Chat, I – I am very sorry, but just repost it like how Kogan did, and we'll still read it off for you and still answer it for you. Um, but as far as uh, anything else that you all want to talk about, I, and what, if there's anything left, uh, feel free to bring something up. I, I'm Whatever you guys want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just excited for crowds to come back and, you know, the future of AEW and what – you know what their momentum is going to look like over the next year or two because like i said pre-pandemic i felt like they were right on the verge of you know hitting a really big stride so um just excited for the business i think it's cool like i said if you know AEW is not your cup of tea you can watch wwe you've got new japan you've got all these other promotions that you can watch there's just so much content out there and it's not just wrestling like there's ufc there's you know disney plus and and uh, HBO Max and all this content, YouTube, you know, so much content. Like, you don't like wrestling, you don't got to watch anymore. You know? Well, like gaming now is like memberships so we get multiple games, you know, like the Xbox Pass and all that stuff. Like there's there's so many different options now that you get um, so much access to so many things. And like you really have to earn people's attention. Like they're not just going to stay loyal and watch this stuff anymore. Like you really have to give out a good product to make people care. And I feel like too, what this uh, has done um, this, this last year is it really like put things into perspective of what people really like and why they watch wrestling and like without crowds and without like, do I need this? Do I want to watch it? You know what I mean? And so like, I don't know if WWE is going to get like this huge rush of fans coming back when there is crowds. Right. I feel like a lot of them have left. They're gone. The rating going to be your rating. Yeah. Yeah. They're not coming back. And uh, uh, I feel like AEW has not really necessarily grown, but they've maintained their audience for the most part. Um, they've grown here and there, but I feel like WWE has lost a big chunk of their audience and they're not coming back. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, that's actually kind of ties into a super chat we just got. It's uh, from Zatch Games. It says, from what I understand, it seems that WWE is hurting in ratings while AEW is doing very well, which we touched on. Uh, it says, 
could AEW be a real threat that WCW was? Pretty generic question that we kind of talked about a little bit, but like, do y'all, based on just seeing AEW for really essentially like one year and what they've already accomplished, do you think they could, if they were to go, I, I know we've talked about reasons why AEW might not want to go on Mondays because Tony Khan owns the football team, Monday Night Football, that kind of stuff. But if they were directly competing with the WWE, do you think they would be like WCW at some point and be beating them in ratings? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that they even have to have a show on the same night. Like, to me, I think both companies can coexist, right? Like, I don't want WWE to go under. Like, you know, like back in the day with TNA, like I was so fired up. Like, I'm like, put them out of business. You know, no, that's not what I want. Um, but do I think AEW can become number one? Yes, I do. I do. And I firmly believe that with, like, the release of the video game and everything else, they're just reaching heights that, no other company has been able to reach since WCW. So I mean, their, pretty good their, their figures have been a smash hit. Like they're so hard to get me and Steven. No, trust me. Um, I've never seen anything like it when it comes to figures, like especially wrestling figures. These things are really hard to get. If you don't pre-order them, you don't get them. And if you do want to get them, then you're paying secondary market, which is really expensive. It's not easy to find these things on shelves. And, uh, they like the video game. Another thing that I just recently saw one FC was possibly going to be on HBO max. And so uh, if, if uh, AEW, um, like I feel like they could possibly get rid of bleacher report eventually and put some of that content on HBO max. So if they start putting, uh, older pay-per-views or older dynamites and put that on HBO Max. I think that that could help them a lot. Like, I, I feel like there's a lot of options. I mean, as long as TNT is in support of AEW, uh, I feel like sky's the limit for them. Um, I do feel like, though, that if if they really start to get close, if they really start to really make some noise, I feel like WWE will definitely do some stuff to, to really affect things. You know, like, let's say that all of a sudden they're getting almost the same rating as Raw. They're going to put direct competition on Wednesday nights to cut that thing in half. They just will. They're, they're not going to just allow this thing to happen. They are they are business people. They will find ways. I And remember, it's like every big dynamite, they would find a way to put a takeover on there, a random NXT takeover, a random big NXT event, like, they're paying attention. 100% they're paying attention. One thing that I found interesting was, is like Vince called Big Show and congratulated him on signing with AEW. Like, is Vince at the point where he just doesn't, it's no, there's no fight in him anymore. Like he just wants to produce what he wants to produce. And, and like, he's not really necessarily worried about competition. Was it a sincere congratulations? I mean, maybe that was just like reverse psychology. Like, yeah, you <laughs> yeah, you know, like, <laughs> he no. called him. He's like, hey, just remember, you can't use the name Big Show. You can't use the name The Giant. You can't use your theme music. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm on the phone with you right now. Your show's yeah. being canceled. So, yeah. You know? yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. No, I, Vince is, I mean, Vince is what, 76? I think he's older than that. More than that? I mean, he's he's getting up there. And, I, I mean, I just think he's become uh, probably a lot more sensitive that, to that kind of stuff. And, 
I, I just, yeah, I think that he understands people's situations a little bit better. And, and yeah, I, I know he's got the fight in him still, clearly. I mean, look at what he did at WrestleMania last year, showing Gronkowski how to jump off that balcony or whatever. Uh, <laughs> he's still got it in him. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think his perspective has changed just like everybody else to some degree. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was sincere. I mean, what were they going to do with the big show anyways? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be something where, like, if – I know these are long shots and probably not going to ever happen, but if someone like The Undertaker, for instance, signed, then I think you'd see Vince going, like, whoa. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. If, if someone like a Cena or, like, someone that's super loyal to, to Vince uh, in the WWE. Brock's a little different because I think everyone realizes Brock's a money grab. Like, I think Vince even realizes probably, like – I still think Brock would be. I still think he would. It would get. It would definitely get his attention. He would. He wouldn't be calling him to congratulate him. Sure, I I agree. But I think. But you know what I'm saying. It's one of those things where I don't think anyone would be surprised, given what Brock's done. You know, signing with the UFC when he leaves mm-hmm. WWE and the way he negotiates against each other and that stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, but I I think to a large degree it is that I think Vince kind of. We've talked about it before, but I really feel like Vince is just getting this whole thing set up in, in a nice package to try to sell off to NBC or something. And and we've talked about it before. Maybe Triple H stays around as like the Dana White of the thing or something. But like, I I, I really all I can say is sorry. All I can say is the worst thing that you could ever want as a wrestling fan is for the WWE to be sold to a corporation that doesn't really understand wrestling. That would be the nail in the coffin um, because we're seeing this so much when it comes to Disney and star Wars and whatever else, like these people are able to decide what these future uh, franchises and things are without really being a fan or love for it or anything. They just look at the dollars on it and just be like, okay, this made money, whatever. But like, there's circumstances for why these things make money. And then there's reasons why the next stuff doesn't make money. Um, you can't just judge just based on a sole performance. And that's the thing, too, like ratings, right? To me, where I would be concerned with AEW is, like, say they, they only did 750000 this week, right? But they had a good show. If the next week they don't have a good rating, then it's kind of like, okay, people weren't happy with what they saw. But usually what happens is if it was a good show, word of mouth spreads, and then the next week the rating is better. That's – we're not at the point anymore to where, like, ratings are determined based on how good the show was. Right. Like – It's not like not that anymore. That anymore. It's not because, like, they advertise this main event and all of a sudden now it's, like, going to pop this huge rating. Those days are done. Um and, and, and there's so much going on. Like you said, like we could just have something that happens in the news that will affect the rating. We will have a, a random sports event or something. You just don't know. Um, but it seems like that they consistently are able to capitalize on that 18 to 49 demographic. Like that is theirs. They've been crushing NXT with the 18 to 49 demographic. Um, and, and And I think that and, and, and I really think that WWE's done a big disservice to NXT. Like, NXT was a popular show. NXT was uh, something that everybody enjoyed. TakeOver was awesome. And then you basically made them kind of – you kind of drew the line in the sand, pick one or the other. And people were going to pick AEW just because of the roster, because of the buzz, because 
of um, just the appeal of it. And NXT has just suffered from it, and it's really not fair. Um, so I'm glad NXT's on their own night. I'm glad AEW's on its own night. I think it'll and be good for both. Yeah. Absolutely, it'll be good for both. But I mean, it's like you said, it's not about the rating anymore per se. It's about whether or not they're willing, a fan is willing to spend money on the product. And so, you know, with them doing what seems to be their biggest pay per view buy ever. At, Re- at Revolution, it just shows that more fans are willing to spend money on AEW. And I mean, just like over the weekend, I went to a few different places and one person saw one of my AEW shirts and mentioned that they were going to watch the show. And it's just some random, you know, some random spot. And then at the grocery store, I ran into somebody with an AEW Sting shirt. So the reach is much further than what people think. You've got you've got casual fans and wrestling fans all watching AEW, so definitely you know WWE. You know, obviously they've taken notice, but um, and better watch out because the momentum shift will definitely happen, especially if they don't step up their game once crowds come back. And y'all both mentioned it, but I think the video game is going to be that's going to be key. I think if the video game is easy to play, because if y'all, I mean, back during like the N64 days, there's oh. still people that like discovered WCW because of WCW NWO World Tour and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, anyone who ever like questions the legitimacy of how big a video game can be for a brand, look at like the Tony Hawk series. No one knew about skateboarding or who like Bucky Lassing mm-hmm. these guys were, but then the Tony Hawk game comes out and that thing is like a phenomenon. Everyone's into skateboarding. Like, they, I think AEW needs something like that to pull in just random wrestling fans that maybe don't even watch anymore, but they love the old video games and they find out this is kind of like the old video games were and boom, you might have a new fan that's, that's watching on Wednesdays. So. Yeah. 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 yeah that that's a, a video game can be huge because you can get people that don't even like wrestling that love the game. Exactly. That, that's the difference that that's where people will all of a sudden be like, well, what's this? And then, like I said, you know, this is another thing, too, that we really haven't seen when it comes to the toys and the figures is because of what happened last year with all the craziness, like distributions, they have not been able to get these figures out to stores. So once these kids start buying it and once I mean, it's it's just going to keep going and going. And um, I also think that there's just a lot of exciting stuff. I mean, I, I'm super excited for a Kenny Omega Christian match. I think that's awesome. Yeah. So, that we never thought we would get, and I think it's great. I'm super excited for the open door. I mean, if we're going to get the Bullet Club versus the old Bullet Club, if we're going to get Kota Ibushi versus Kenny Omega, if we're going to get Will Ospreay versus Phoenix or whatever, like, sign me up. Like, there's so much good stuff that could be coming from this, and the guy that determines it is a diehard wrestling fan. So, as goofy as he is, as some of the stuff that he's so indie-rific on, at the end of the day, like, 80% of his decisions, 85%, are pretty damn good. Yeah. The work. same worries we had about TNA are not the same worries, not anywhere near the same worries we had with AEW. I'm not worried about the money. I'm not worried about the business. I'm not worried about the distribution. I'm not worried about them over pushing veterans. I really right. worry about the booking. The yeah. guy the guy booked a Shaq match in a tag team mixed tag team match and it was good. Yeah. Like, 
Well, go figure with with a guy who's been wanting to do it for three decades. It's like, okay, well, yeah, see, you could do it this whole time. Like Shaq was in nineteen ninety four Hogan and uh, and, mm-hmm. and Flair back, yeah. Beach, whatever yeah. Beach Blast, whatever they called it, and like still there. And that guy took a table bump, and like just when you see stuff like that, it gives you hope because they built it up. And that thing could have laid an egg so bad. And I remember even talking to Brandon. It was just like, dude, just let it be not bad. Like, I don't care if it's good. I just don't let it be bad. And it was good. And and then also it helped kind of build up those female stars too. And they really need it. And it worked. So I, I just feel like we're in good hands wrestling right now is a lot of fun. And if you just open your mind outside of WWE and look in the new Japans and the impacts and the ring of honor and pick and choose who you like, there's so much great talent out there. Um, It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And just, I mean, at the end of the day, right. What, what we've learned from all this, from being Bill and Doug and, you know, all that RVD Tito for life stuff, just, Enjoy the good and don't stress out so much about the bad because and there's gonna be so there's gonna be so much bad that you're gonna be upset about, but there's also so much good. And it's just a mixed bag. And don't take it personal. These people are business people, they're doing what they think the best that they can do. And at the end of the day, like there are gonna be alternatives that you will enjoy you if you just open your eyes and look out for them. Like before, when we were doing this stuff, there was no ROH on Go Fight Live. There was no, um, like, internet uh, pay-per-view for every indie show. There was no distribution of indie shows. Like, there's so much stuff out there now. There's so much um, apps and, and, and ways to get a hold of so much different wrestling that uh, if WWE is not your cup of tea... There, there are way more other alternatives out there. Oh, we just got that super chat again. Did we? I felt like we answered that the Jericho versus Bret Hart question. Maybe we didn't. We didn't. You're right. Yeah, I think we brought it up. But we yeah, didn't. we brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you again, Matt Phillips Reviews, for uh, sending that again. I, I could have. I we did bring it up, but we didn't answer it. Uh, go ahead. Who do you think would win in there? Well, well, I mean, obviously, it depends on who books it, but consider, yeah. So, so let's just say this: if you look at careers, who's who, who had the better career, Jericho or Bret Hart? I gotta I go, Jericho. Jericho. Yep. Jericho. Jericho. Jericho had a long-lasting legacy. There weren't, you know, like in-ring technician and babyface like Bret Hart was the king for of sure. like the, the nine, like the early nineties. Um, but in terms of long longevity and reinventing himself, it's definitely Jericho. Yeah, Bret Hart was one of the best baby faces of his generation, but Jericho can do both. Yeah, well, and I, what I love about Jericho is he's a lot like Taker in a sense that he always recreates his character. He yeah. always adds stuff to it, and when Jericho feels so stale, he he gets himself out of it. He always finds a way to get himself out of it, and it's like when you think that that guy's done and you're no longer interested in him. I mean, imagine. Jericho versus Fandango at WrestleMania to where Jericho versus Kenny Omega in New Japan and like how different that felt. 
you would have never thought you would have got that moment from those guys. You know what I mean? So even like Jericho and AJ, like I remember us being so upset that Jericho went over on AJ after he just come in a couple of months earlier. I'm like, that is the stupidest decision. Like Jericho was on his way out. Little did I know he would reinvent himself again. And I felt, I don't know about you, Bill, but I remember being there live and like I was blown away by Jericho's reaction because there was still a lot of Jericho fans. Yeah. I felt like it was almost like anti-TNA. Like, yeah, yeah, screw AJ. Like we've got our guy, you know, and Mm -hmm. I just, I was so mad when he lost. Um, But yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, and, and if you think about it, you know, Don Callis said this uh, on Conan and Disco Show one time. Like, he thinks that, you know, AEW doesn't happen without Jericho Omega. Hmm. And when you think about it, like, that's probably true. Like, that's really the thing that, like, took the elite and took this thing to just a different level. Mm-hmm. Cause that's more, that's like when the Hot Topic shirt started to hit. That's when Jericho started to, like, mess around with those guys and like Mm -hmm. it just it really like grew and then when they announced the company and Jericho was a part of it and then you also had the rematch of Kenny and Jericho like Jericho deserves a huge huge props for that because I don't I don't know if Jericho without Jericho I don't know where AEW is I still think that they're Great. I still think they make it. I think that Kenny probably would have been the cornerstone of that company mm-hmm. right off the bat. And we would have got this Kenny right at the beginning. Right. But I, I do think that Jericho had an amazing championship run and uh, the inner circle. He built that like there, there was a lot of good stuff that Jericho brought to the table. But I do think and he's proven me wrong before. So it is what it is. I do think that his days are numbered. I just don't know how much longer this guy can go. Dude, you were saying that 10 years ago in these videos. (laughs) I agree. So he's proving me wrong. And and honestly, if you looked at him in Revolution, he looked in pretty good shape. Like he wasn't, he didn't look as bad. So yeah, it's just when you get to that, that age, um, just, you know, everything from your training to your diet and, you know, uh, your everything pre-match preparation, it all gets a little bit more intense. So and you have to pay more attention to that stuff, I'm sure. So it is probably a lot more work for him, but it's awesome that he's willing to do it and and work with anyone. Like, you know, when he was champion, he worked with Darby, he worked with Jungle Boy, he worked with all – he wanted to work with everybody. Yeah. They did the the Jera Cruz for Dynamite. Like, that was freaking cool. Like, that's what I love about AEW. They're just not afraid to do anything. Right. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a – there's so much, it's, it's just like an open canvas and there's no limits and there's, and I, and I think that that's the big separation to NXT, right? That's, that's, that's the biggest thing for me is it's like, I can't get fully behind NXT because at the end of the day, the long game is for them to get to the WWE. And that's the last thing that I want to see because you've seen the, just the destruction of those guys. I mean, from Ricochet to Aleister Black to Andrade to you name it, it's just, all been downhill for those guys. And with AEW and Gargano was still one of the best matches I've ever seen too. Like I did not expect it to be that good. Oh, for sure. And and that's crazy too, because like we saw Ciampa in San Antonio. And I mean, I never would have thought he would be what he's become. And I remember he used to be a guy that I just always saw botch. He always botched. He was sloppy. 
I just I never thought he would be what he's become, but but man, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, I remember he used to do like the thumb up the butt spot in PWG and stuff. Yeah, like, right. just like the like the fake grenades and all that stuff. Like, yeah, you would have. I would have never thought he would have been like become what he did by becoming an NXT. But he's another one of those guys. Him and Gargano are like they're in such a no man's land because you don't want to see them on Raw or SmackDown. I don't think either of them want to be on Raw or SmackDown. Right. And they've done everything there is to do in NXT, and they're still under contract. So what well, do like, you do now? Caesar's like, why is Gargano still in that NXT? Because that's that's his only long game. That's where he wants to be, yeah. yeah. There's no way he wants to go to the main roster. There's and that's scary because no- it's like every like wrestler that has a passion for what they do, they want to be on Mania, right? Yeah. They, they want to be able to experience that and – and be the champion that represents the company. But I think that there's obviously some reservation, right? Cause you see what's happened to everybody else and where they fit. Um, but I also think that they're wanting to establish an XT as that third brand. And I think we're pretty close to that. Um, it's no longer a developmental. Clearly. Yeah. Um, and they want to be the true third brand that gets representation on every pay-per-view, including mania. And that, that's the only thing I don't understand. If, that, if that's truly what they've decided, that's what they want to do. Third brand, right? Like, why Why is Ricochet in the main roster? They just bring him back. Right. Yeah. Bring back Aleister Black. Bring back Andrade. That's because NXT's crowded now, too. Load that thing up. Even put in, like, Kevin Owens or whatever. I don't care. Load that thing up. And well, they're about to have that Evolve show, too. Yeah. That will help. Yeah, everybody that's that doesn't really isn't really there on NXT or at least at that level um, on that show, and then NXT can just be kind of the cream of the crop. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think at the end of the day, like if you're just decided that, like that's what you need to do. You need to just do those, the, load that thing up, and then have WWE be its own thing and let NXT thrive. Thrive, like that's. That was the best game plan for them. Huh. One guy asked if I'm still fans of RVD and Tito. Uh, Tito, yes, um, for sure. But, I mean, like, as a fighter, he's, like, 46 years old. It's a wrap. RVD, I- I'm kind of disappointed in him. Like, not not that he's pro-weed or all that. Like, he's always been that. But, like, <laughs> I just – it bothered me because I really wanted that guy to be such the main event, such the champion, all that. And he was like, he never wanted that. He never wanted to be that guy. He really viewed like Sabu and Sandman as his peers. And he took that same ECW mentality and like embraced it of this like renegade uh, wrestlers, yeah. but like, he's more on that like Shawn Michaels level of greatness, of like unbelievable talent that we've never seen, rare in the ring, could have been an absolute superstar if he somewhat played the game. Right, and, there was zero conformity. You know, like it, it was he wasn't willing to give an inch, and I think that was the all. biggest issue. Not at all. He was but, all. Man, I loved, I loved watching him. So, and oh, I'm sure that documentary, that Icons documentary, is going to be. Is it already out? Not no, yet. Okay. okay. Only, only Okazuna so far. Yeah. Which was fantastic. It was. Yeah. yeah. That'll be cool. All right, guys. Well, we made it two and a half hours. I think that's yeah. pretty much a good stopping point. Um, 
if uh, if we missed your super chat, I apologize, but I think we got to everybody. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, I really appreciate it. I appreciate all the fans. This has been uh, it's been a heck of a ride. Um, I've always had a certain uh, love for YouTube just because I've been able to reach out to so many people and be able to broadcast my thoughts and opinions on things. Um, Bill and I have always been friends. Like it's, it's never, this is weird to me that it's like new to y'all because this is our every day. Like we talk all the time. So like it, to, to us, it's just like, I mean, people care about our conversations. It's like we're talking on the phone. Right. Like this is what we do. So, so just to be able to broadcast this and realize that it's been seven years since Bill and I have made a video together. Um, that's a little wild to me, but at the end of the day, like me and Bill go way back. We've always been friends. We've always taken care of each other. We're, we're best of friends and we, we really love doing this. Um, I have no idea what the future holds. I know for myself, I'm not going anywhere. I'm definitely going to ramp things up. This is my office. I can just come in here. I can lock that door and I can shoot videos and really spread my opinion on things. So, um, you're not going to see me go away anytime soon. And, Steven's been a huge help. I really appreciate Steven and, and getting this going. I remember talking to Steven being like, I think I can get Bill. I think I can do it. I think I can at least get Bill on here once. And it was just like a thing. And then I, and then I like, uh, I, I remember maybe like a month ago, I texted him out and I was just like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get Bill. I think it's over. And then I was like, no, I think I'm going to get Bill. And I talked to him again. I think I'm going to get Bill. So I'm just really happy that we actually got this going, that we were actually able to do this to revisit because I know a lot of people are wondering what's been going on with Bill. And uh, it's been awesome. And uh, like I said, I really appreciate all the fans. I appreciate everybody that donated the Super Chat. And uh, like I said, you're not, you haven't seen the last of me. I'm not going away at all. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do my little sign off here before Bill, because I know uh, you probably have some stuff you'd like to say to the, the fans and the people watching out there since it's been so long since we've seen you. Um, anyone who likes independent wrestling, I'll just throw this out there, independentwrestling.tv. If you use code Fight Talk, you'll get five free days. I bring that up right now because if you're watching this, obviously you like wrestling. And there's a lot of great independent wrestling on IWTV, and it's 100% completely for free for five days if you use my code. And I encourage using that because it'll you'll probably find some wrestlers that you like that you might not know about yet, or maybe find some people that you were a fan of and you didn't know what they were up to anymore, and they're still out there on the independence. So, um, and I just want to take this time to thank both y'all for having me on here. Always good to have Doug on here, and you know, talk to Doug pretty much every day at this point. And Bill, this was truly an honor to come on here with you guys. Like, I, it really, really was. I myself right now at at 18 years old is marking out so hard. Just like the two of y'all, you're both really, really big inspirations on why I even started my own podcast. So, like, this was this was so awesome for me to be able to do. So, uh, thank you guys so much. And uh, and Bill, of course, you know, say whatever you'd like to as we uh, kind of get out of here. Sure. No. Uh... Thank you, Stephen. Uh, you guys, I've watched a few of your live streams up to this point, and you, you do an awesome job. Um, and, you know, of course, Doug's my brother from another mother, so we, we talk all the time. And I was happy to be able to come back on here and share thoughts and opinions on, you know, the current state of the business as well as look back. And, I, you know, I appreciate everybody that joined the chat and donated. And I'm, I apologize if we didn't get to, you know, all your questions. Um but uh, yeah, no, we'll just, we'll see what the future holds. And, 
And, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry for, for not putting out more content for y'all. Um, certainly uh, miss chatting with everybody. Um, so, like I said, we'll just we'll, we'll see what the, the next chapter is. But uh, but no, it was great to see everybody and hear all your comments. And I appreciate y'all having me and and uh, you know, look forward to the future. And just so y'all know, if it was up to me, y'all would have the two of them on here every single time. So just so y'all know, like I was pushing just as hard as anyone to be like, I want to see Bill and Doug together on screen to get again. So Bill, obviously this goes without saying, if you ever want to join ever again at any time, you're obviously always hundred percent welcome. Like I'd love to do this more often. And and to be honest, I mean, y'all are into MMA quite a bit more than I am. Um, I dabbled in jujitsu last year for about eight weeks. Um, and gave me a whole new respect for MMA, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just, I haven't followed MMA consistently over the last few years. I'm more of a casual fan, but I still love to watch the fights. So, uh, wouldn't mind talking about that and getting re-familiarized with, uh, you know, what's going on in the current state of, uh, MMA as well. Heck yeah. Awesome guys. So our video for life, we're out and, uh, it's, it's been great, uh, reminiscing and, uh, we'll catch you guys later. See y'all.